Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, hailing from Kakana, Wisconsin, riding a CST Tires SSI decals, traveling back Yamaha YFC450R, four-time ATV Motocross National Champion, number 25. Cody Jensen. What's up, everybody? We're back. Welcome to the latest edition of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, episode 116 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, in stock and available for purchase today at shop.csttires.com. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, saying hello to our nearly 221,000 monthly Digging Deep listeners in all 103 countries in which you are listening, and this is our Bud's Creek Review Show. We spent last week hyping up an unforgettable pro quad showdown weekend in Maryland at Bud's Creek, and it absolutely lived up to the hype. We have a trio of can't-miss guests tonight. We have Brandon Hogue, probably the most talked-about rider in all of ATV motocross. Over the past week or so, he'll join our first segment. Michael Allred, co-winner of the Pro King of the Creek Award, will join us to review his huge weekend. And then later, Kinsey Osborne, reigning, defending, undisputed WMX champion will join us because she won the Queen of the Creek Award. Always love having Kinsey on. So stoked for the conversations ahead in this episode. What a cool event. So let's get started right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Let's quickly shout out all of our incredible partners, CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Thank you, SSI Decals. Welcome back, Valvoline, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Lunderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymauer Financial Group, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Binky's Forever ATC Museum, Impact Solutions, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code Digging deep 20 at manscaped.com. It was big news when Manscaped announced their entrance into the Beard Products game, introducing the Beard Hedger Pro Kit from Manscaped. A premium beard sculpting machine, the Beard Hedger allows dudes like you and I to style our beards to exactly our liking using a zoom wheel featuring 20 different built-in lengths. This Pro Kit also includes shampoo, conditioner, oil, and balm for your beard, as well as a brush, comb, and scissors. Now you're speaking my language, Manscaped. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I say it every week. It's so rad that Manscaped is continuing to invest in ATV racing as a longtime partner of Digging Deep. We just re-upped with them for the rest of the year. Help us keep them in the fold and involved in ATV racing by using our Digging Deep 20 code so they know you enjoy Digging Deep and what we're all about here. Support all these great companies that support us and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. We're in the back nine of this 2023 season. I don't know how that happens, but we both know you still need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. But before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By using our specific link, we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end, enabling you to help us out while purchasing the parts you need anyway. And did you know you can buy OEM parts from Rocky Mountain ATVMC as well? Yep, ship conveniently right to your door. So click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs. No new donors to shout out this week, but if you are interested in donating and hearing your name on the 
the show. You can find the Patreon or buy me a coffee donation links on our website. Major thanks to all who have donated, of course. Now, if you can't donate, but you do want to help us out, you can give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. That helps us out in a major way. If nothing else, it helps show our partners that you're all about digging deep and want to keep us here long into the future. Now, it's showtime. The 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go! Man, I lied. We do have a new donor to shout out this week, Diogo Costa. My man wrote in letting us know that it's been a pleasure to listen to every episode and then uh, and then mentioned my dad. He was just letting us know that he was hoping that, that dad was doing okay and to keep our head up, keep the faith and trust in God. And uh, man, I, I really, really appreciate it. Those are our listeners, awesome people, kind-hearted people. Appreciate that so much, buddy. And that can kind of lead into the episode here because it is going to be a little bit of a streamlined version one last time here where I don't have another co-host with me. Uh, my schedule has been really crazy, spending a lot of time at the hospital with dad. As I record this, he actually is going gonna, is gonna to come home tomorrow. As of today, it's been exactly a month. His progression and his improvement, his health, improvement has been astronomical. I mean, off the charts, he's just been killing it. So he went from not even being able to move his right side when the stroke first happened to now he's, he's walking a couple hundred feet in, in one stint, uh, with his walker and yeah, they're, they're signing off on having him come home tomorrow. So again, a little bit of a streamlined episode tonight. We got a ton of great conversation, good lengthy episode here for you, but, uh, not, uh, not a rotating co-host this week for the last time. We'll have co-hosts the rest of the way, but I just had to just had to streamline this just a tick because my schedule has been really crazy, uh, running back and forth to the hospital. But Diogo, thanks so much for, for mentioning my dad and thinking about us. We uh, appreciate that. That's so much. So the pro quad showdown weekend at Bud's Creek, like I said in the intro, it lived up to all the hype and then some. Let's start off with our top five storylines that we were monitoring heading into round seven at Bud's Creek brought to you by SSI decals. So storyline number five that we had discussed on our preview episode was Team USA. Do we hear anything this week? Does this weekend impact the decision? Well, anybody in the know, anybody paying attention to what's going on in ATV racing knew that coming into the weekend, we had already found out who the team was going to be. The returning team from last year was going to represent Team USA once again in Italy this fall. It would be the return of Joel Hetrick, Chad Weenan, and Bryce Ford. Team USA would once again be represented by this formidable trio. Their mission to preserve their undefeated record at the event and clinch their fifth championship since 2017. Now, it's hard to argue that that's not the best team on paper. Obviously the team that represented us last year that led us to victory in the Czech Republic, uh, a team made up of the current and reigning champion, current points leader, Joel Hetrick, Chad Weenan, who has been on a tear this year, as always, on the comeback trail from that broken collarbone suffered at Gatorback, and Bryce Ford, who coming into the event had podiumed five of six races, had won one, won a moto, been the current points leader. He's been on a tear this season. So a very worthy team there. Where the debate comes in is how they determined the team. They talked last year about them making the decision on the riders who were top three in points the year prior. By doing that math, as as all of you know, many of you know, that would have been 
Brandon Hogue. And yeah, so we got Brandon Hogue coming up on the show. We'll talk to him about the Team USA deal. You're not going to want to miss that. But storyline number five was Team USA. Do we hear anything? And we know the team. Joel Hattrick, Chad Weenan, and Bryce Ford will represent Team USA at the Quad Cross of Nations this fall. Storyline number four that we were tracking going into Bud's Creek was last year, six different riders had earned their spot atop the pro class podium. This year it had been just four. We were wondering if we would see any challengers and we got it. A brand new podium finisher at Bud's Creek. Spoiler alert, Brandon Hogue goes on to earn the seventh podium finish of his professional career. Obviously that's why we had to have him on this show, but we will outline his day when we do the play-by-play here shortly. But yes, our storyline number four we're getting answers with these storylines we learned team usa we got a brand new podium finisher for storyline number four and storyline number three as we count them down is it very much felt like a pivotal weekend in the pro sport and pro-am classes we were curious who would grab the reins and put themselves in the driver's seat with just three races remaining and man it sure looked like mason jackson hard to argue against this youngster he went 2-1 for the overall win win in pro-am and in pro sport he won his heat race he was in second in the second moto giving Blair Miller fits and on the last lap suffers a crash that sends him all the way back to ninth which would eventually result in sixth overall with his one nine scores so tough break there for Mason Jackson who was on an absolute tear on this weekend he did get the win in pro-am looked super impressive there but in pro sport Joey Chambers is the beneficiary he goes 2-2 for the overall overall win. Brett Musa gets second overall, 1-3, and Brett would be the other beneficiary. He would be the beneficiary in pro sport as far as points are concerned. He goes from being just about tied with Mason Jackson, they may have been tied coming into this race, to being up now 7 points, 139 to Mason Jackson's 132, and you don't want to give Brett Musig a little confidence or a points cushion because with his starts and in his speed, you don't want to you don't you don't want to mess around with that. But we'll give the full rundown of the podiums here in these classes later in the show. But Mason Jackson put himself in the driver's seat in the Pro-Am class. He's got an eight-point lead over Jaden Launderville. And Brett Musig is definitely in the driver's seat in Pro Sport with a seven-point lead over Mason Jackson for him. Storyline number two was who was going to take home the four prestigious King of the Creek Awards. We got two of them on our show here with us tonight. Michael Allred, as I understood it, is Cole winner of the pro king of the creek award i believe cj robson is the fellow co-winner he swept essentially the three pro classes on the tt he finished 19th overall but had a really good first moto in pro-am on the motocross track he got seventh in his in his first moto in pro-am dnf the second moto ended up 19th overall and michael allred he goes 10 10 but 10 on the motocross track 10 on the TT, which is super impressive. So he takes home the the co-winner for the Pro King of the Creek Award. Uh, We'll talk to him, obviously, coming up on the show. Kinsey Osborne wins the WMX class on the motocross track, fourth on the TT track and her first TT experience ever. We'll talk to her on the show. The amateur winner was Michael Perkins, who I believe got second in the 25 plus class on the motocross track. And I believe won the Nobby class on the TT to earn him the award. And then the youth King of the Creek award went to Kobe Tressler. So congrats to Kobe. These, these King of the Creek and Queen of the Creek for Kinsey. These awards are so 
so rad. I hope that this is an, an event that can happen long into the future, this this collab. But, uh, but yeah, those are going to be special ones for these guys. Congrats to all of the winners of this prestigious award. And the number one storyline in our SSI decals, top five storylines heading into Bud's Creek that we were following was sitting at number 99 with his next podium finish. Joel Hetrick would earn the 100th podium finish of his professional career. Would we see it on this weekend? We would in fact see it. Joel Hattrick earns the 100th podium finish of his professional career. So let's get into it. Let's roll right into our play-by-play. We'll go over the play-by-play that we did on Facebook as we break down the action from Saturday, starting with qualifying. And you couldn't tell the story of Bud's Creek 2023 without talking to Brandon Hogue, especially in qualifying, right? This We know that that's Joel Hattrick's specialty. Well, on this day, Brandon Hogue pushed him to the limit in time qualifying. Both Joel Hattrick and Brandon Hogue had two seconds on the rest of the field in the first qualifier. Brandon was about a quarter second down from Joel. And late in the second qualifier, Brandon Hogue ups the pace, retaking the fast qualifier spot that he had held earlier with a 139.756, a little over two tenths quicker than Hetrick he was. And there was only about another another lap or so left in the qualifier, but he left too much time for Joel Hetrick. Oh my God, I posted. Hetrick goes three quarters of a second faster with his last lap nearly going sub 130 back to the top for Joel Hetrick. So Joel Hetrick's 139.067 was fast enough to be top qualifier over Brandon Hogue's 139.756. It was all the way back to 141.4 for Jeffrey Rastrelli, who was third fastest. Chad Wienan was fourth fastest, 141.5. And Bryce Ford rounded out the fast five with a 141.704. So time qualifying alone at the top was an absolute blast to watch. And man, it just set the table for some awesome motos to come. The day was started by an incredible rendition of the national anthem. That was amazing. And Joel Hetrick would grab the whole shot in Pro Moto 1. It would be Joel Hetrick, Bryce Ford, Chad Wienan, Brandon Hogue was fourth, and Wesley Wolf, local boy, the pride of Maryland, and featured on the t-shirt on this weekend, would come out in the top five in the first moto of the day, which was really good for him. So your early top ten, Hetrick, Bryce Ford, Chad Wienan, Brandon Hogue, Wesley Wolf, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Michael Allred, Aaron Salinas, Nick Janusa, and Max Linquist was your top 10 early. After three laps, Joel Hetrick had a 6.7 second lead over the rest of the field. We then saw Bryce Ford make a mistake. He loses two spots, so he goes from second to fourth, allowing Wienan and Hogue to get by, and man, those two were in for a duel for the rest of the moto. Here came a charge from Jeffrey Rastrelli. He made the pass on Wesley Wolf for fifth and at this point we were seeing Brandon Hogue give Chad Wienan absolutely all he could handle running second and third they were and meanwhile out front Joel Hetrick we weren't even at the halfway point yet and Joel Hetrick had 10 seconds on Chad Wienan and the rest of the field the battle for second through fifth then was bunching up it was Wienan versus Hogue versus Ford versus Rastrelli and that's when we saw the halfway point we saw the cross flags come out your top 10 at that juncture was Hetrick Wienan Hogue, Bryce Ford, Rastrelli, Wolf, Janusa, Linquist, Allred, and Salinas still holding strong. 
Nick Janusa was now up to sixth, making the move on Wesley Wolf. He was forced to fight his way from a little ways back in this one. And then we had our first Logan Stanfield sighting, now on the move into the top 10 after passing Aaron Salinas. But both of those two would have bad luck down the stretch in this one. Logan Stanfield would suffer a hole in his radiator, terminating his motor. And Aaron Salinas, I believe, cut a rear tire in this one. So bad luck for those two TDR guys. We then saw Kevin Saar. He's a, he's a guy that's very much trending upward, the five-time European champion. Kevin Saar, we saw him up to 11th in Moto1. Jeffrey Ostrelli was now making a run at Bryce Ford for fourth late in this one. Similar to what we've been seeing in recent weeks, Joel Hetrick gets a 10-second lead, and then he just maintains it. He's, he's so on point right now, so in control. That's what we saw in this moto, something we've seen all season long from the champ. Kevin Saar then broke into the top 10. He passed Logan Stanfield, and with three laps to go, it was Hetrick, Weenan, Hogue, Bryce Ford, and Jeffrey Rastrelli. Chad Wienan had a 1.2 second lead on Brandon Hogue, and Bryce Ford had just 0.7 seconds on Jeffrey Rastrelli as the two-lap board came out. Everybody was bunched up. And this is when I noticed Aaron Salinas, who had been doing so well in this moto. He goes sliding down the board once again, dropping out of the top 10 all the way back to 16th. Obviously, I was speculating at that time. I didn't know what happened, but man, hate to see him drop down the board like that. He's been fighting some demons all season long. And Brandon had fell back just a tick, but then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, with one lap to go, Brandon Hogue has reeled in Chad Weenan. He was only three-tenths of a second back at that time on the last lap, and Brandon Hogue makes the pass on Chad Weenan to move into second on the final lap. So Joel Hetrick takes the Moto 1 win at Bud's Creek. A little further back, Bryce Ford holds off Jeffrey Rastrelli for fourth, but it was Hetrick with the win. Brandon Hogue with a major statement passing Chad Wienan on the final lap to earn second place in the opening moto. Chad Wienan ends up third, Bryce Ford fourth, and Jeffrey Rastrelli rounds out your top five. Moving right along to Moto2 then, and one of the biggest talking points of this second moto comes right away, Nick Janusa with the whole shot. So on the opening lap, it's Janusa, it's Weenan, it's Hetrick in third, and right away after that sensational ride in the first moto, I'm looking for Brandon Hogue, and he's got his work cut out for him. He was running 10th on that opening lap. As we begin lap two, Nick Janusa continues to lead ahead of Chad Weenan, Joel Hetrick, Bryce Ford, and Jeffrey Rastrelli, your top five. Weenan and Hetrick were then duking it out side by side for second and third. And Kevin Saar, I quickly noticed Kevin Saar up to sixth in Moto2 at Bud's Creek. And that's when we saw Chad Weenan make the pass for the lead on Nick Janusa. Nick Janusa led the opening two laps before Chad Weenan ripped the lead away from him. So it was Weenan, Janusa, Hetrick, Bryce Ford, and Jeffrey Rastrelli on lap four. And next we saw Joel Hetrick make the pass on Nick Janusa for second. So we were creeping up on halfway at this point, and it was Weenan, Hetrick, Janusa, Bryce Ford, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Max Linquist, Kevin Saar, Wesley Wolf, Brandon Hogue, Michael Allred, your top 10. And on a relatively quiet day for Max Linquist, we saw him here making some moves in the second moto. He was up to sixth at this point. And I just found myself taking it in. This is the first real time we saw the two legends, the two champions duking it out, battling for the first time this season. Joel Hetrick was making his run at Wienan now. The reigning champ was all over the eight-time champ. And on lap seven, we saw Joel Hetrick take the lead 
from Chad Weenan. Chad Weenan got shuffled back to second there when Joel Hattrick took the lead away, and we found Bryce Ford inching up on Janusa for third. Jeffrey Rastrelli was lurking in fifth as well. I continued to look for Brandon Hogue. He was up to seventh, so with a handful of laps left, it was Hattrick, Weenan, Janusa, Bryce Ford, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Max Linquist, Brandon Hogue, Allred, Saar, Wolf, your top ten. So as they ran at that time, your overall podium would once again be Hetrick, Weenan, and Bryce Ford. An honorable mention here, he needs to be mentioned. Every week, Adam Ulrich impresses. I mentioned that here at this point. He was running 11th in the second moto. Adam Ulrich, man, he's been really impressive in his rookie season. So we saw Bryce Ford then making his run at Janusa, just a half of a second back with a couple laps to go. Janusa, Ford, and Rastrelli were all bunched up from third through fifth in the late stages of that final moto and this is when I say it Brandon Hogue was up to sixth and I quote with every pass it makes this overall more and more interesting next thing we know the white flag is out for Joel Hetrick Rastrelli was all over Bryce Ford on the final lap huge implications with this battle as far as the overall and points are concerned but Joel Hetrick out front takes the moto two and overall win at Bud's Creek you know that had to feel good for him to have to pass Weenan in the process to get that one Nick Janusa holds on for third Bryce Ford fourth Jeffrey Rastrelli fifth and Brandon Hogue fights his way all the way up to sixth Shout it from the rooftops in all capital letters, Joel Hetrick just earned his 100th podium of his professional career. So Joel Hetrick takes the Moto2 win and overall win at Bud's Creek, earning the 100th podium finish of his professional career. Chad Weenan leads for a good portion of the Moto, finishing second in Moto2 and second overall with 3-2 scores. And Nick Janusa leads for a couple laps and holds on for a top three podium finish in the Moto, but it was Brandon Hogue showing his resilience. I had a feeling that six was going to be enough to get the podium spot. He earned third overall on the day with his 2-6 scores. Man, we saw some awesome racing in Maryland. And with that, with all the excitement, let's get the man of the hour, Brandon Hogue, in here to talk about his seventh podium finish of his professional career. All right, guys, you know I love this guy. And based off what I've seen on the internet the last week or so, you guys love him too. Brought to you by Manscaped and their brand new Beard Hedger trimmer included in Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. I don't think this guy needs a, a beard hedger. He's always clean shaven. Joining us after his highly anticipated first podium finish of the season, you know we had to talk to this guy on the podcast. Third place podium finisher at Bud's Creek, Mr. Brandon Hogue. What's up, mate? Welcome back to the show. I know it hasn't been super long since we sat down with each other, but we had to chat with you after what was your best weekend of the year for sure, buddy. And uh, I would think that you're in good spirits after this one. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it was it was a good weekend for sure. Finally got a podium like I think we talked about earlier in the year. I wanted to at least get one of them. So, uh, yeah, got a podium under my belt on the Yamaha and uh, it feels pretty dang good. Dude, and, and it wasn't even in question, I feel like, this weekend. I mean, the second second moto got a little dicey at one point, right? But, uh, but yeah, you, you seem to have that thing under control. So uh, just kind of off the, off the jump, kind of macro level, uh, thoughts on Bud's Creek. I mean, you were fast from the very start of qualifying. You logged this burner lap. I thought you were going to be fast qualifier. Joel jumps you for pole position right at the very end, his last lap. But uh, you seem to be gelling with the track from the very first lap of the day. 
Yeah, yeah, I really, uh, I really like the way the track was. I like elevation, uh, hard pack, just stuff I've kind of grown up on. Yeah, you got a lot of that in Nebraska. A lot of, lot of <laughs> elevation. <laughs> well, well, uh, basically from from when I, uh, I guess I used to live with Joel and stuff, and that's that's okay. what I used to call home. I guess like living in PA, uh, we just rode a lot of tracks like that. But I'm just, I'm more of a hard pack guy uh, always. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've heard, you know, going into this race, I heard the track gets rough and stuff and all this, but it turned out to be a really good track. Um, I liked all the jumps. I love jumping. Like I, I, I wish there were big jumps everywhere, but, um, right. yeah, I mean, it just started off great. Um, I walked the track Friday, really liked the way the layout was. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, there, there was really just nothing bad about the weekend. Um, like I felt really good um, all day. Yeah, qualifying was great. Um, in the first qualifier, like like second or third lap, I jumped the middle triple. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the first qualifier, like I was one of the only ones to do that jump in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to me, it was crazy because I didn't even think about it. I thought we were all just going to be jumping it. So that just it's a day like that where everything just feels good and normal. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, everything just felt felt right at home. So the, so the JH motor had some power then you didn't even have to think about it twice. You just hucked that thing right from the jump. Yeah. Um, I mean, before Bud's Creek, uh, I drove down to Oklahoma and we had a really good test day together. Uh, I rode both my bikes and yeah, man, like he's, he's fully behind me a a thousand percent and it feels nice to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, like me and him just work, work really well together. Like, he's a guy I can tell my feedback to and, and he takes it the right way. Um, you know, like if I'm like, Hey, I still think we need to work on this area and power. Like he, he just fully understands. Um, but when we tested, I was like, man, like this thing's like, uh, if I had to rate it on a 10 scale, it's pretty much a 10. So, um, we didn't have to really do anything. Uh, it was spot on. I really like the way it hits out of the turns and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a single complaint about my quad. I told, I told them that uh, no matter what, from here, like bad finishes or whatever, it's it's for sure all on me. You know, there's no <laughs> there's no doubt in my machine right now. So, um, and also, I feel like he's a little underrated on his suspension too because okay, uh, he listens. Like when I talk about feedback um, with my shocks, it's really nice to work with him um, to where I can tell him, hey, I just want to try this on my next set of shocks. Um, and he'll do that exact change and I can tell right away whether it's good or bad. And, and we just work really well together, man. It's hard to, there's no other way to put it. Um, my shocks are getting a lot better. Um, we're finding out like where we're at now. I know it's late in the year, but the base setting of my machine is Mm -hmm. dialed. So I don't get on it and feel like something's off. Like I don't need to change the bike at all. Um, yeah, dude, it's just literally what, as a racer, you chase that feeling, and mm-hmm. it feels nice to finally have that a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome, and it probably is a seamless fit. I mean, obviously, you went over to the engine side with with JH, but uh, he's a PEP guy, and that's what you're running. So that that's a really good, a really good fit there. And yes, like we kind of talked about the last time we had you on, we knew that there was going to be some growing pains and adjustments and massaging of this program might be a little late, but, uh, the path to all the stuff you did until now obviously led you to JH and seems like, uh, seems like you're in a good place. Like that's a good place to be. And yeah, touching on Bud's Creek then 
you know, you talked about the track and qualifying, gelling with it right away. Yeah. Like I thought, I guess I didn't really know what to expect, but when we were last there 10 plus years ago, it got really rough. Actually, I remember Joel and I talking about that when we had Joel on after sunset, that it was, it was braking bumps and acceleration bumps. And it just got gnarly, got really, really gnarly. And seemed like, like, like you said, Bud's Creek ended up being more of a blue groove track than anything else. It was a hard pack track more than anything else. And yeah, that fits right into your style. And as we look towards the future, uh, I mean, the next three are are all kind of hard pack blue groove. I mean, this is, this is you peaking at just the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely like pleasure Valley coming and, I do, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm curious though. I, I do want to race on a rough track. Like, sure. I wish we had something that was like sunset, but on a hard pack rough, like where it's super choppy and mm-hmm. rutted up and stuff, because I actually feel like my best riding is when I have ruts to go to. Like I struggle more on, uh, I know like just, I feel like I struggle more on a hard pack turn that's flat compared to like a, a turn that's got a rut to it. Okay. Um, so like for me, just the way my, the way my turning is and everything, like I'd be curious to see kind of how I'd ride at a track like that. But I think I might get that at, um, at Loretta's usually gets like rutted up. It does. Oh Uh, yeah. Yep. But yeah, like either way, uh, the next few tracks coming up, I'm excited to go race that and see if I can keep this, keep this rolling. And, uh, yeah. The one thing I wanted to touch on is you talked about the schedule there though, is, Uh is, it just hit me like in recent weeks that we don't have Redbud coming up. Like I knew we haven't had Redbud, but man, it doesn't feel right to be summertime in the Midwest here and not have Redbud to look forward to for an ATV national. Like it, it really, it really stings. It stings me a little more every day. I swear. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree. Um, that track, like it was just good to have on the schedule for just what everyone knows it for. Like, it's like that rough, everyone knows it's going to be brutal and like everybody's favorite, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, I feel like we have a, I wish, you know, maybe for next year scheduling, we can find a track that at least, you know, if we can't go back to red, but at least find a track that imitates that rough, like just, yeah, you know, but yeah, red, pretty hard to replace. Yeah, that's a tough one. Feeling the void for sure. So yeah, uh, let's talk about your day then. So it was it was a tale of two motos for you, buddy. I mean, first moto, you get that top five start. You find yourself in fourth. You make your way up to third. Then you're stalking Chad Weenan. And I remember thinking like, wow, this has been a really impressive moto for, for Brandon. And, and something that we've seen before, but not necessarily in you know, in recent weeks or even necessarily this year, but man, you weren't even done yet at that point. So, so take me through kind of what happens next, take it from there, because what an impressive moto. And obviously the peak of the, the climax of the impressiveness was, was late in that one. Yeah. Um, it was like, that moto was awesome. Um, my start was not what I wanted. I really wanted to come out one, two with Joel. Um, and I had a really good launch and uh i actually made it to the turn like with him but he obviously had the inside line there and mm-hmm. um i ended up getting pushed like wide and i i drove up onto this little hill and it, it kind of just screwed me a little bit i saw that from the photos and i was like man like yeah if you drift wide that could get sketchy there yeah yeah and, and i tried to do that turn like i thought this all through man i thought <laughs> i had it dialed in and 
And I was waiting to see when Joel was going to let off the gas because I've learned from my mistakes in the past, not just like blow it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did it perfect. Like he let off at the right time and everything. And I'm like, okay, this is perfect. But when I set the bike up to turn left, I can't pitch it the way I want to because he's there, you know, like I can't, sure. I'd have to sweep wider and then cut in and then someone could just hit me. So, okay, yeah, I just didn't work out the way I wanted there. And I came out still uh, fourth. And I, right away, I wanted to pass Chad, like, immediate lap one, because the way they lay the water down and stuff, like, you know how you kind of have to just be a little patient there? Mm-hmm. Well, if I could make something happen, kind of, you know, even if it was a little sketchy, but just make something happen real early, yeah. then I knew I wouldn't have to, like, I wanted to go behind Joel, like, more than anything in my life. I wanted to be in second place, out of that gate, to just see what I could do with Joel, but... Yep. That didn't happen. Um, I got, and I, you know, I rode behind Chad for a few laps. Bryce made a mistake. We got by him. And from there, um, I really wanted to, yeah, I was just trying to apply pressure and let him know that, like, I wanted to let him know I was the faster guy, um, even if he, he thought that or not. But um, one thing I will acknowledge is that, like, I love intelligence. And that guy is so intelligent, Chad, because uh, when I, when he was in second, I was in third, we do this tabletop and there's an inside roller or an outside and he was going inside every lap. And I, I was too, it was like a pretty good line, but no one was really taking this outside. So one lap, I just drill into this outside and I pull up, like, I, I thought I was going to make the pass Okay. And he, he looks over at me. And so I, I had that in the back of my head, like, okay, next lap, I'm just going to drill this turn, like try to be on him right on that jump and then just drill it. But now sure he knows. Enough, dude. <laughs> yeah, sure enough, dude. Like this guy is an eight time champ for a reason or whatever, but right. I, I love the intelligence it, in my helmet. I was literally like, man, this guy is smart. Huh? So, um, mm-hmm. that was pretty cool to kind of just be in that moment and experience that. And then, uh, mm-hmm. and then it made me think like, okay, do I switch my lineup and go inside or not? Um, and I tried the inside and it actually was slower, like it still was slower mid moto, so I ended up just funneling behind him in that line. Um, but anyway, yeah, it just I just tried to really think about like where can I make. I had another idea, um, which I'm glad I didn't try because I don't think it would have worked. But you just kind of when you're riding like that, you're kind of trying to think of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And I I felt so good, like I felt like I could put my bike wherever I wanted and. Everything, you know, when he would pull away from me, it was because I'd try something and it just didn't work. Like, like there was a, a turn before the finish line that was a really hard off camber with a hole in the middle. Okay. And I would try all different lines. Like, I would try drilling down to the bottom and coming off and just a bunch of different stuff. But um, with two, two laps to go, so the two car comes out, um, we come up to the middle triple. And at this point, like, the gap was to where I was, like, pretty not okay with like i knew i needed to i needed to reel him in big time um and he going up the middle triple uh like he got on the gas out of the rut and wobbled a little bit but there you know there was a rider um on the like the section before the triple and he started to come over but i I think chad didn't didn't wasn't feeling okay with tripling it with him there so chad puts his hand up to double and i had a, a I mean, a 16th of a second decision to make on do I send this thing or do I roll it? And, you know, that's that's it. That is probably the moto. 
So I just sent it and uh, I jumped a little to the right, like, cause he was on the left side. Um, but I mean, it was pretty close. Like it made my stomach turn when I was in the air for sure. Like, oh boy. but it was just, you go full send mode and stuff like that sometimes happens. And I land right behind him and I'm like right on his grab bar. Like I could touch him. And uh, that's when I knew like, this is the moment that this is where everything counts. Um, and he, so the next turn he goes to protect and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't doing what he thought I was going to do. And I pull up side by side with him and I'm just like right on him all the way through the finish line section. And I'm full sending, like I'm dragging so much break on the faces and stuff. And then the last second after the finish, I never took the inside line one lap and I decided to take it because like, I just, you know, I had to at least try Yep. and he ends up messing up the outside a little bit. So it worked out for me and we wheelie this little single thing. Well, he couldn't wheelie it. And I did. And then I was right on him to where I could touch him again. And we're going up to this, like this jump that we check up on. And, uh, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do, I'm just going for it. Like maybe I wreck, but at least I went for the pass. So I, I, at the last second, I turned left on the face of the jump and I, I pretty much over jumped the jump on purpose to cut us both off. And I land, I land on the front and rear brake and I stop us both to like where he couldn't pass me again. And then I just, yeah, at that point I could hear like fans already and it, wow. my adrenaline was so high. And I like, I knew he was going to try to pass me back. So I just full blown sprinted like, like my qualifying laps, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And dude, that sealed the deal. Uh, we come down the hill. I couldn't hear his quad and I'm like, like we, you know, we go up the big triple, I send it and I knew, I just knew I had it. And yeah, it was just one of those moments where I've never, never done that. Um, yeah. never been there late in the moto like that really with him. And mm-hmm. yeah, dude, a moto that will go down for me just as a, as a big moment. Like it was, uh, yeah, just, uh, nuts, dude. Yeah, I woke up in the hotel room the next day, and I actually woke up, and I'm like, holy crap, dude, I did that? Like, <laughs> it just one of those second-take things, but, man, it was cool. Yeah, well, you've said to us before how much you look up to Chad and, and you know, would love to model yourself and your program and your your kind of mental fortitude off of, off of him and how successful he's been. And, yeah, like, that's one of the things that stood out to me, Brandon. I mean, think about the last decade-plus of watching Chad Weenan not many dudes passed Chad Weenan for the last 10 years outside of Joel Hattrick, you know, that that's obviously done it because those two have been rivals and they're forever linked. But outside of Joel, man, I could probably count on one hand how many times we've seen Chad Weenan get passed, let alone late in a moto. And the other thing, so there's a couple things that stood out to me. One, when you see the photos, when you're watching the video, you know, you, I mean, Chad, Chad's clean. You can tell he's been up front and, and whatever. And you took on so much roost. I mean, these pictures are just staggering, you know, to watch, to watch, uh, you know, to see how, how muddy you are and how battle tested you clearly are at that point and the other thing is and it was either with three or four laps to go but late in this moto chad runs the fastest lap of anybody in the entire race and you were able to you know to to stick with him and like you said make a couple strategic moves to get right on him and then sneak up the inside and make that pass and that 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 turning roller section there 
uh, man, I just, I can't imagine what that feels like. It's I'm sure I, I was expecting you to say something like that. Like, man, it felt, it had to feel like a dream and you really did that pal. I mean, that's, it's truly amazing. Yeah, dude, the funniest thing you just touched on about me being all dirty and, and him clean and stuff. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm a cheapo, dude, and I go every race I usually go to like 7S and buy some standard tear-offs. <laughs> the oh standard gosh. prospects because they're the cheaper ones, right? Okay. Dude, so I put like seven on and like, you know, it's kind of hard to see with like That's seven it? standard. Yeah. Listen. Oh my god. I pulled all seven of them things in like three laps. So I'm I'm thinking like I'm gonna have to rip my goggles off, dude. I can't. There's no way I'm gonna finish this. And like I wish you would have seen my goggles. What I was looking through the whole track, like that moto, dude. I'm looking through like it's basically like roll offs with you know that type of vision. But like, dude, it was insane. Like I showed them after. I'm like I could barely see, but I, you're so in the moment. You're just like, mm -hmm. so it's just kind of funny how that worked out. The next moto, I put on like. 10 tear offs, but you know how the standards are. You cannot, oh my like, gosh, you're, you're, you're like totally blurred. You can't even tell uh, what lines you're running. I know, dude. Like I'm, I'm about to do the whole shot and I'm like, man, like I needed to start buying some actual, uh, the, you know, the laminated tear. -offs. Hey, do we need to get you a goggle deal or what's the, dude, what's the gig I, with that? I just, I have a goggle deal, but, uh, I've used up, I always use my tear offs like in practice and stuff. So, okay. Well, man, we need... I need to, I need to, I need to quit being cheap is what I need to be yeah, doing. We might, but... <laughs> we might need to upgrade your gig. I mean, that, that yeah. might be, that might be what we need to do there. But, and honestly, before we even talked about the mud thing, that was something in my mind when you talked about coming out early and it being watered and all these things, I'm like, man, like that is a sketchy thing. You know, that's especially when you're mm -hmm. racing for 25 minutes, tear offs are basically on your mind as a pro, unless you have the whole shot, they're on your mind the entire race. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, that like, it's a, it's definitely a stress factor. So you say that you put on 10 tear offs for the second moto, probably a good idea, pal, because in the second moto you had your work cut out for you. So take me through what happened on that start there, buddy. Um, outside the top 10, it seemed on the first lap there. So you, like I said, you had your work cut out for you there in that second moto, totally, totally different than the first moto. Yeah. Um, uh, well, like my, my mindset for moto too, believe it or not, I know it's, it's just high reach, but it was to win the dang thing. Mm -hmm. yep. so like i'm i'm like at the camp like fired up because if i felt like if i ripped a whole shot the track was hard enough to pass to where i would have liked to see just what would happen like you know it'd be it'd be it's just what i wanted to do so i had my mindset on like all right i need to rip the start and i was confident in my start ability and the package and everything but we go up to the gate and i don't know but i really thought i had a great uh gate i went inside of joel this time not outside and I, what happened was like, I, right out of the edge of the gate, like I double, I usually double clutch a little bit Yep. and I, dude, I just started to like peel the tire. Like I just spun the tires and it dipped off into Chad. Um, and I ran into Chad and like, I got squeezed out to where I actually, I think I was like P eight, um, right behind Jeff on the whole shot, but I was super pissed at that moment. Um, and everyone in my camp tells me like to always be aggressive and, Cause they, they feel like I'm not that aggressive, but I don't know, man. I still question that a little bit. I feel like I race pretty, pretty aggressively mostly, but, uh, yeah. okay. I had in my mind like, okay, I need to make passes early. Like mm -hmm. just, you know, do what I can right away. So they, if they open a gap, I can at least try to close it up. And, uh, right before the middle triple on lap one, I went into the side of Allred, um, 
trying to because this big long sweeping rut like everyone just kind of goes to the rut well i tried to cut in and use him as the rut and it just totally didn't work i bounced off of him and then spun out and i fall back like behind sar and and like i fall back to like 10th or 11th um Mm -hmm. and at that moment i was like podium's gone like whatever like I, i just ruined it so um yeah, it was tough for me to pass even early on, just the way the track was. Like when you when they water stuff, you can't get traction unless you're in the main line anyway. And um, I just yeah was in tenth for a while, I think, and then made some passes, got around Wesley and Linquist passed me. Like lap three, Linquist blows by me. I'm like, dude, like <laughs> what? So uh, yeah, I just sucked going doing that. Um, yeah. And then I make my way back to a clear track and Linquist had a decent gap on me. And, um, once I got a clear track, I just started to like not ruin it. I didn't know where I was. I thought I was like 10th, but, uh, caught back up to Linquist past him. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just never, definitely never gave up or anything like that. Like I just knew I had to ride, mm-hmm. ride, ride. And, uh, if I didn't end up on the podium, like we'll just keep trying for next weekend. Yeah. So you were going exactly where I was thinking. And you just said something that I have literally written on my notes here that I was guessing that you didn't even know what position you're in. You're just passing as many dudes as you can come up on and put behind you. And so I'm, you know, I was going to say, I I bet at the finish line, you didn't even know you had made the podium. And I posted, you know, we do the play-by-play on Facebook and I posted with a lap or two to go, you know, as you're creeping up, slowly creeping up the leaderboard, I'm like, man, with every one of these passes, Brandon's making this overall podium really interesting. And, uh, and yeah, so, so tell me what happens after you get off the track there, because like I said, I'm sure you didn't know you made the podium. Yeah. I was so mad when I hit the finish line. I was like, I mean, I was ready to cry for sure. And then Harv's like, Harv told me go to the podium, uh, third overall or something like that. And I'm like, what? Like, this is a joke. There's no way. Uh, so then I'm riding up there and I'm, I'm, I pull up to like Joel and like, even Joel told me like, no, I don't think so. I don't think you got the podium. And I'm like, yeah, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. But I, I learned to trust hard Harv's word. Uh, yeah. He let me know like, like, cause I think Kevin announced that I wasn't on the podium too. Or well, something well, like that. Well, okay. So that was one of the things I was going to mention is, so I'm like doing the math and I knew it was going to be super, super close. And last lap, I'm like, I think Brandon's got this, you know, the difference in being second or third in that first moto was obviously the difference here. And, uh, and yeah, nobody, nobody knew Brandon. I mean, on the radio, they had said Bryce got it. I'm thinking to myself, I really don't think that's right. And then all of a sudden they cut to talking to you on the podium and I'm like, okay, so my math, my math checks out. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing math driving back and cause I had to figure out what Bryce got. And then I did it. It was 37, 36. And I did it in my head and I'm like, okay, then it's a hundred percent. But I didn't know what Janusa got either. Like I didn't add sure. up his points. So I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe like with his third, maybe he got it or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, I was sitting up there and my emotions were like, I was pissed, but I was like, <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do, dude. It was a terrible, it, to me, it's a, it's like a big deal sitting there, whether I got 
fifth place or did I get third place or what? Well, that was going to be my other question is so now you come across the finish line. I know you tell, you're going to tell me that you're, you're upset obviously with this, this finish in the second moto. And all of a sudden that has to change somewhat because you actually earned the podium spot. And I was glad to see your interview after the moto, you could tell that you were smiling and happy. And uh, there's obviously photos of you happy after the races there. And uh, I was glad to see that, that you, you were able to shift your mindset to, Oh shit. Okay. I got the podium. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, once I, yeah, once they notified me, it's for sure third, it was such a good feeling, even though it's only third, I get it. Uh, but still like first one for me for the year. So it's going to feel good. Yep. And that moto one was really big for me. Um, just that moment I won't ever forget. Um, and Chad's, Chad's kind of going out in his career. So these moments probably will never, you know, they might not ever come up again. So like mm-hmm. to be able to say it was just something for me um, to remember. And, and yeah, like you pointed on earlier, I don't think there's many guys that have done that with Chad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is for sure, but outside of Joel, it's pretty difficult to do um, when he's got a clear track and, and he's charging and stuff. So yeah, dude, it wasn't even really the podium. I was all pumped on. It was just what I did in that first moto. Yeah. And and the second place also, like you said, the second place got me the podium. So mm-hmm. man, just never quitting like that. Um I also had, dude, there there's so much stuff to to not really prove, but there were a few individuals that like had said stuff before that race about, you know, like specifically, you know, there was someone that said I had was not capable or did not have the speed. And I wanted to, you know, let people know I do have some speed and I am capable. Mm-hmm. So let the riding do the talking. And, uh, it felt really good to, to end on that note. Yeah. So, so obviously I think everybody could make some connections there. It was safe to say that you were riding with a little extra motivation on the weekend, but you touched on that, that it was your first one of the year. I think that that first one always comes probably harder. That first one's probably harder to get that first podium. And then the ones after that, I assume come just a tick easier. No, now you've done it. Now it's not like, man, when am I going to get over the hump? It's okay. Shoot. Last weekend, I didn't even have a good second moto when I got it. And I would think that that's awesome for your mindset going forward. And I always say, you know, the tough times make us appreciate the good ones. We know this season hasn't went exactly how you've wanted it. But like I said before, everything's peaking at the right time. It's all coming together. Uh, obviously did at Bud's Creek. And I, I bet that you, you appreciated and, and kind of cherished that podium finish there with a new group with Luke and Emily. Uh, the, the pictures were awesome. The, the group you have together is awesome. And I assume that everybody was stoked because that was a first for the team. That was a first for, for them supporting a pro, all those things. I mean, that's a, that's a cool thing to realize for them too. Now, like now you've, you've proven this is a big jump for you and your career and stuff this year, a lot of changes, new bike, all these things. And you've proven that like, okay, you know, now I can do what I've done in the past on a totally different machine, different team, different, all these things. Just, I I would assume it almost proves you right in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it does for sure. And, and even with, with the, the program switch and stuff like this weekend, I 1000% don't think I could have done that on my Honda. Like, I just don't, I don't sure. feel like I would have qualified that good. I wasn't, I wouldn't have been able to go that fast. Yeah. I mean, me and Joel had a conversation before Moto one about how fast we were going and qualifying. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, dude, I, I was wide open down these Hills. Like, like stuff that I just would have never done ever. Like that, you know, 
it's hard for me to do. And he was still faster than me. And that's why it was cool to have that conversation with him. And I, I was like, there's just no way I would have been able to do this without everything being the way it is right now. The program's all good. Like everything's just right where it needs to be. So, um, yeah, it, it's awesome to look forward to the future. It sucks. I'm going to need, like, I need your help or something. Like you need to teach me how to have this at the beginning of the season. That way I can <laughs> start the season. Strong, yeah, right? me, I, I'm not, I'm not that somebody, guy. dude. <laughs> well, just somebody like I, if I can do this stuff, you know, from, from the get go, like, mm-hmm. That was a plan this year and it just never worked that way. But um, yeah, but, but, but yeah. you have to put in, you have to think though, like, again, as I've said so many times that I know even the conversations that the, even the episodes where you weren't on with us, I said, this is, this is building it. Like it wasn't, it would just maybe was a pipe dream to think you were just going to transition from a different deal last year to picking up right where you left off. I mean, the, like the odds of that happening were probably slim, right? I mean, it's been a learning curve this whole year. Well, now I don't know what your plans are for next year, but if you roll out this program with the same team or something very similar, look at the baseline you already have, you know, your baseline with this machine, isn't going to be figuring everything out. I know you were stoked about where you were in October and November and December, but like your, your light years ahead, as we look towards the future, you're a light year ahead of that. And, and I just think that that bodes so well for you going forward. Yeah. I think the the biggest thing that baseline, like you just said that we have now, mm-hmm. dude, that's like in racing now for me, that's like the number one thing I care about the most. Like I want to know exactly Everything, like my quad, for example, I'm so picky now on, I want my ride height to be this. If I'm walking the track and I see the conditions, I want my ride height to be this, the split to be this, the rake, you know, I want, I'm running tire pressure here. I have everything now to where even the gearing, right? I know now this year for next year, because the gearing is totally different from YFZ to TRX. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have everything just to where I know, okay, like I. I like a 1540 here, for example, Yep. you know, it's kind of like every time at every race, you'll see me like I'm checking ride height three times. I'll, I'll change it. I'll do whatever, but yep. it's super nice now to have all these baselines of, I know where to go when I have, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable or something like that, but mm-hmm. we've been nailing it. Like uh, we've just been nailing it. I mean, my mechanic, Chad too, deserves a lot of credit. Yep. He does exactly what I say. Uh, we made changes before the first qual. Like we didn't even, I didn't even qualify, dude. And I made changes just from seeing the track conditions. I'm like, okay, I want to do this to the front end. We did it. And boom, like I went on the track, second lap could put a heater in and it was, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's just cool to have, yeah, the baseline. Well, and to be at that point in your career where you know what you need to do possibly even ahead of time before even hitting the racetrack, there is a balance there. So the, there's a couple things that I want, I took from, the conversation we had with Joel on a recent episode following the previous round, you know, he talked about, he always, almost always uses you as a, as a reference point. You know, he's like, man, if I would have been like Brandon, when I was young, I would have won tons more races. If I was focused and if I was in shape and all these things, just like you are, you've done your homework on all your prep work and things with your body and all those things. So that was a really cool takeaway from that conversation with Joel. The other thing is, is, you know, he's like, man, you got to find a baseline. And I tell Brandon all the time, you got to find a baseline and then keep it. Cause you know, Joel's like, man, I don't, I don't go to every track and change my ride height and change all my, you know, my, my shocks a ton and all these things. You get to a point where your baseline is your baseline and you don't change a ton. And it sounds like you're kind of getting to that point. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a a great thing to know what you need to do to tweak it, but to start to get to a baseline where 
you don't need to go into a racetrack and feel like you need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, that's got to be, as you get closer to there, you're clearly getting closer to that. That's got to feel really good for you. Exactly. Yeah. Now I feel like my baseline's done. So the changes I make are so small right. that it's more just for a feel thing, but I'm not changing click, you know, I'm a clicker or two on a, on a shock is a lot different than pulling the shocks off, <laughs> shortening my shaft travel, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, yes. So yes. yeah, the, 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 and, and Joel knows how I am too. Like I want, that's all I want, dude. I just want a good base. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm usually not like that rider. That's like, man, like I need to do this and this once mm-hmm. I have it, you know, in the ballpark, it's the rider. Like you just go ride the thing. So, um, yeah. And I, I appreciate Joel saying that because I, I learned a lot from him too. I got into, you know, I'm in my career to where I got to see him doing it and it yeah. influenced yeah. me to do it. And, you know, it's funny driving home from, uh, from sunset, we were on the phone for like an hour and I'm like, dude, did you have a, like, I asked him all about his career. I'm like, when you were 22, like how much were you winning? Like, were you winning qualifiers? Like how much were you beating Chad by? Like mm-hmm. when you were 23, were you winning? Like, I, I love to know all the stats that way. Yeah. I know if I'm like, you know, if I'm in I'm the pace, you know, still doing yeah. it. Yes, exactly. Yep. So it's kind of cool, man. We just, uh, yeah, me and Joel are just always been cool like that. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, anyway, dude, back to everything. Yeah. Just everything's freaking solid for sure. Yeah. You're in a, you're in a great spot, pal. So Brandon, how do I transition into getting a comment on the team USA situation? Uh, you know, as we all know, team USA announces their lineup for the quad cross of nations, right? The team, that led team USA to, to victory in 2022 will return. Uh, much of the internet believes that the squad should have featured you. Um, so what can you tell me about the situation from your perspective? I don't want to end this conversation an awesome conversation on a, on a sour note here, but, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't, didn't get a comment out of you on it. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, first thing, I definitely have some brutal fans, I think. Some people are pretty ruthless, I see online and stuff. But from me, my honest take on it was I'm definitely not happy with it. Um, But I'm, like, I kind of knew all year. Just nobody had talked to me, and I knew all year I probably wasn't going to be the guy going. So I had it in my mind. But uh, my opinion on it is just quickly, I really wish I would have got the chance because – um, I think that experience just to have for your life, like if I never get that opportunity ever, like it, it just would suck. Um, so I really wish I had the opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, like Bryce has had it before. Joel's had it before. Chad's had it before. Jeff's had it before. I have not. Um, and I feel like if you get third in the championship, I just feel like it's the right thing that that should be your reward is you get to go represent your country next year. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen um is what it is at this point like i to be honest i don't know if i if i'll ever go so it is what it is um and yeah i know they're gonna do great like i my opinion too is that i feel like we could send our 10th place guy and we could still really do good as a team Mm -hmm. um we have joel and chad that are the best in the entire world ever like the our class is just really fast so i feel like it wasn't a decision on speed. Like, even though I know I'm not where Bryce was, like, I just feel like it's still, I, I don't know, dude, I don't think sending me would have been an issue, but 
it, it didn't happen. And uh, pumped for that team to go do that stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, I know it's a, it's a sensitive deal, right? I know you're trying to pick and choose your words, you know, um, and, and, you know, be careful with, with what you say. I guess that was kind of why I at least wanted to get a comment out of you. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know if you were you know, in a situation where you thought you were going to be the guy and then just all of a sudden found out you weren't or, or however that played out. So I wanted to get a comment on that. I mean, this is what I would, I would, this is like my take on it. I feel bad for both you and Bryce. I really do because I feel terrible for you because, you know, everybody's pointed out there's, you know, they haven't chose the team every year the same way, but it seems like last year they said it was the top three from the previous year, right? Like that, that is, mm-hmm. that's the way I understand it. So if that would have been rolled over, I see why there's people that say you should be the guy. And I think that the entire ATV racing community would love to see you go. I, I truly, my, my family and I have talked about this. Brooke and I have talked about this for the last week straight. Like I pray to God that you get that opportunity because you deserve it. Uh, at the same, so I, I feel bad for you. I really do. I, I really do. Uh, I also feel bad for Bryce though, because now for the second consecutive year, he's getting tore apart on the internet, which he doesn't deserve. He doesn't like, there's been some, Mm -hmm. some, some ruthless shit that's been said from people. And that doesn't necessarily sit well with me either. And then, you know, and, and I purposefully didn't like, there's hundreds of comments on, on these posts, these, these, these posts that we posted, um, about the team USA thing. And I purposefully stayed out of, like, I didn't want to read them. I just didn't want to like it. It, it was going to do no good, right? They're not all of a sudden going to change the team. Like that wasn't something that's going to happen. So I didn't want to get into all the drama. I didn't even want to take it in because it feels super negative to me. And then somebody, people start sending me screenshots of people saying I'm the problem, you know, like I'm the, like my post was the problem. And that, that does hurt me a little bit because all I was doing was taking the news that I got in an email from team USA and putting it on the internet so that everybody saw, because I don't know if everybody's part of these new newsletters and said, Hey, you know, we had posted that the team that went there is, is going back to try to defend the title and congrats to those involved. And obviously knew that there was going to be upset people, but I mean, I take a lot of pride in the stuff that we do and I purposefully don't get into the drama BS at all because that's not good. I mean, you know, you know, my MO, like I I'm not mm-hmm. into that. And uh, so it, it's just, I guess overarching, buddy, I feel terrible for you. I, re- I mean, you know, I love you like a brother, so I feel terrible for you, but it, it stinks that every year when the team USA thing comes out, it's like this big negative thing, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and then again, just to, just to end, end my little spiel here, uh, if you stick with it, I mean, I pray that you get the opportunity and if you stick with it and do what you're doing now, your day is going to come. I promise you that. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, I've always been a firm believer in that the crappy days, uh, help us appreciate the good ones. And man, when you are hopping on that red, white, and blue Yamaha in one of these upcoming years, and you're, you know, wearing number one or two or three, and you got team USA all over your stuff, man, it's gonna, it's gonna make it that much more special. I truly, truly believe that I have, I have, I have faith in that, but I know that doesn't make it feel any better right this moment, 
but your time is coming. I'm confident in that. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate it. Uh, I can agree. I don't, like I've said, I, I told Bryce this at the line, I mean, at the gate of Moto one that like it is, it's nothing to do with Bryce. Like Bryce just, Bryce just so happens to be in the position of taking all the heat because he's the guy going. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, and even, even who I was upset with was not anything to do with the Ford family. It was the higher ups, whoever makes these decisions. And I think that that's an important thing for you to say and people to hear, right? I didn't want yeah. to interrupt you there, but that is so important because you have been on record time and time again, thanking the Fords and crediting the Fords for their help for you over the, over the years uh, and all those things. I think that that's an important thing. It's not just you versus him. That's not it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not, it has not, it's, it's more to do with who made the decisions, which I don't know. I really have no idea if it's, I'm not privy to that. either. I have right. no idea. So yeah. Um, like, you know, like you, that's why it sucks that it is this way. Like if it was someone else in the position, like, I don't know what, what the media would be saying, you know what I mean? And that's why I said, I have ruthless fans. Like I, the problem I had was too, like, that's just not, I'm not like that. Like, I'm not going to go out there and say all this, this crap about somebody mm-hmm. when, like everyone that says the the craziest stuff, like usually is not involved or they don't understand. Right. Um, and, and me as a rider, it sucks that like, I don't want to be known as that either. I just, all I want to do is race. And like, sh- like I, my image is just not that it's not all this hating and, and the negativity and stuff. Um, only thing I was upset with, which like I said, had nothing to do with the forge was the black and white rule on like, I don't think it's okay to change a rule on, on like if say if we're going to take the third guy from the previous points, leave it at that. Like mm-hmm. that way everybody knows. Like okay, you know if it's top three in points outside of an injury or whatever, those three are going. And instead, we changed the rule the year that I was. I'm, I mean, I was eligible to go, I guess. But that's what I am pretty like. I would love to know just what the reasoning behind that is, like just give me a solid reason on that. Um, but anyway, like I said, it has nothing to do with the Ford. It's more of the people who made the decision, which like I said, I don't know who it is, Right. but, uh, but yeah, you nailed it on the head there. Um, if it was someone else in that position, I don't know, you know, the media would probably be totally different. So mm-hmm. just sucks for them. Uh, and me and Robin and John talked at the race and I let, I always try to let them know that like, you know, that's not the way I am. I don't ever want to be like that with anybody. Like my whole career, I've never had a single incident to where, right. you know, it's, it's gotten to a point where it's, it's bad. Like I, it is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're all good. Me and Bryce talk and I try to congratulate him every time he congratulates me. It's funny. Like, I feel like me and Bryce are actually a lot cooler than people probably think. So sure. I I said on the previous podcast, he's one of my favorite kids of race. Like, I like a kid that's that tries hard, puts in the work, races hard. I mean, it's it's all motivating to me. So there's no no issues here. Yeah, no, I think that uh, I think you said everything that needs to be said. I think that that gray area, you know, I'm looking at the screenshot of that that post last year that I think I think Harv posted, but that that post from last year that says. The team may not always be chosen this way in the future, but has been in past in past years. And I think that that gray area is where all this kind of kind of falls. Right. And 
I think everybody tries to look at this as fact and that gray area that I just recited that it may not always be chosen this way is where and how feelings can get hurt, right? Whether it's the rider themselves or their fans or whatever. So the other thing that kind of is how I want to end it is we don't need to tear down somebody to build somebody else up, you know, like just because like you there could be 200 people that comment on the post that say, man, Brandon, I would have loved to see Brandon go. Or even they say Brandon should have went or whatever they want to post. But the stuff tearing down another rider just isn't that cool. It's not actually cool at all. Our sport's way too small for that BS. So I uh, just, as you, as you know, I do all of this to try to like shed some positive and good light on our sport, you know? And, and I just, that, that stuff hurts me when that comes out that way. So uh, again, I didn't want to end it on a sour note but I did want to give you a chance to touch on it. Pal, three races left. We, we touched on a pleasure Valley, Briarcliff and Loretta's all kind of styles that, uh, that are, are good for you, right? Uh, pleasure Valley. You've been successful there in the past. Briarcliff's been good for you. We saw you ride really well there last year. Loretta's of course is, is right up your alley as well. So how do we replicate this one and get a couple more podiums here at the, at the end of the season here down the stretch? Yep. I'm going to keep doing my exact training, stick to, what I got on the schedule. Um, I put my schedules in in advance, like okay. in training and stuff. So stick to the plan, um, get some good riding in, which I've been able to do. Uh, yeah. Keep the ball rolling. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I have no doubts in any, any part of my program and that's huge. And yeah, I think, I think we go to pleasure Valley, see if my riding can, can be well again and uh see how we start the day and i'm excited to race whether i'm on a podium or not i'm excited to duke it out with them guys hey one other thing that i'd love to get your opinion on that we heard yesterday is this pro-am being a production class for next year mm-hmm. um you, you're a big advocate for the yamahas uh, i think it's super cool joel does the same thing joel gets on the internet anytime there's something posted about you know the yamaha versus hybrid stuff or whatever and he's always an advocate for the yamaha he's obviously fallen in love with this thing the last couple of years um i think that it's a great thing i mean you know like i've haven't been team hybrid necessarily from the start just because of cost and stuff like that um but i do think that you see you see some like the, the their whole purpose in announcing this their whole purpose that they say they made this decision for is you know so the tr- so the transition to pro is easier and better for these young kids and we've seen guys this year like adam Ulrich. And he's mm-hmm. made a really good transition from being on a hybrid in the pro-am classes last year to being uh, on a YFZ in the pro class. And then, you know, there's the other side of the spectrum where you guys, you have someone like Dane Molander, who's clearly not showing what he's capable of weekend after weekend. We feel terrible for him, but maybe change, change the, change the thinking change that if you go back in time and make that pro-am class a production class earlier on, he's probably on a Yamaha in years past and now on a Yamaha in the pro class and that transition becomes easier for him. So anyways, uh, do you think that that's a good move, bad move? What do you, what do you, what do you, what thoughts do you have on pro-am being a, a production class for 2024 and beyond? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be a good rule. I just well, I I saw that it did get announced. The only thing I just wasn't really sure on is that it was the pro meeting that we discussed that in, which it should have been a pro am meeting, so that way those guys can discuss it. But okay, um, but yeah, I mean, 
I think if you're if you're an amateur, right, and you're going into pro am and you're going to pro, you guys got to really think about like if you if you do want to go pro, right? Yep. Pro is production, so it's like let's why not set yourself up, get your your in pro am. That's the point of the class, right? You try to get your feet wet with your your setup of pro, like mm-hmm. like I know if I would redo this all over again. I'd be in pro am. I'd be on a on a production bike because I knew I'd I'd race production in pro, yep. and I'd try to find out my program through there. You know, I'd be like, okay, I like this package in the motor, and I like this package in the shocks. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Not, you know, like you just you, you can run a hybrid if you it, it, in the past, but it's just I'm on the camp of ah eh, man. I'd probably just go if if your goal is pro, just yep. stick to production. So yeah, I'm pretty much for the rule. I mean, I think it. You know, you can run pro sport if you want to run hybrids, but um, if we're going to keep pro production and your ultimate goal is pro, like, guys, it's just got to probably got to end up that way. Well, and I think that and I've I've been a longtime believer of this, you know, the jumping on a 250 when you're a teenager and then that that makes the transition to riding a 450 very easy barring that you stay on a hybrid because you can essentially like with these walsh jb stuff whatever uh you can stay on the same chassis right i mean you can stay on uh 250 uh for your 250 years transition to plugging a 450 into that same chassis and that that lessens that adjustment curve going from 250 to 450. Now you're just getting used to more power, not a whole new quad. But Mm -hmm. some of these kids then, if they make it to the pro level, now they've never ridden a production quad likely. You know, they, they mm-hmm. raced 90 mods, they raced, uh, you know, super minis maybe now they jump on a 250, and now you've been on a hybrid for the 250 years and your 450 years. Now for the pro class, you have to jump on a production quad and that changes everything. And maybe that's some of what we're seeing with some of these riders. I don't know that, but you, you got to believe that that does make a huge, huge adjustment climb for for these kids if they've never ridden up production quad before prior to the pro class. So uh, overall seems like a, a good rule, I would think. Yeah. I have one other opinion, dude, that might not, you might not agree with you. I don't think okay. any would agree with it. Okay. My opinion though, I feel like is, I just didn't think it was a problem. Like I never, I don't know. I just never thought that, like, I never thought there was a problem in pro-am with it. Like maybe there is because I'm not around it, but like it, when I raced it and even this year, last year, blah, blah, blah. To me, I just never saw a, it's not like, okay, I'm racing pro-am. I'm building a sick hybrid and I'm just going to win because of that. Mm-hmm. I won on a production bike. Yep. And like I just told you, if I was doing it all over again, I would still be on a production bike. Yep. So the only thing my opinion was is too like, I didn't think, because now we have another issue going on around the sport with like over a hundred comments of people really not happy and sure. people talking about quitting and stuff like that. Okay. For what reason? Like, I don't think the rule needed to be that way. I think sure. we could have left it the way it is. And then guess what? If you race a hybrid in pro-am and, and you go, you know, you're going pro and you got to race production and you suck it is what it is, dude. Like you, you had the chance to go production in pro-am, but yeah, uh, yeah my take, that's my take, man. That's a good take to have because I, I think that the the problem isn't in the pro am class, right? Like I think they're trying to 
better the transition from pro-am to pro. But yeah, I agree. Like you look at even the pro-am class right now, and it's not like there's tons and tons of hybrids, you know, like that's, that's not necessarily a thing. So, um, pal, I I took too much of your time already. Uh, I, I vowed to you that I wouldn't, but, uh, so much awesome stuff to get into love, love, love hearing like the, the technical side of, of your racing and your setup and all the stuff you're figuring out. I love hearing about an awesome weekend where you can smile about it. Uh, I'd love, love hearing that. And, uh, man, uh, stoked to chat with you after a great weekend and a great experience for you. Uh, love reliving these memories with you. And I love the way that your mind works, you know, the way that you're able to talk us through every little move of the, of the racing weekend and your emotions afterwards and all those things. So I can't thank you enough for your time as always, buddy, you know, that we love you here. And, uh, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you working with our schedule and all the craziness here. And, um, yeah, just really looking forward to doing this again. Hopefully you can click off a couple more podiums here at the end of the season. Nope. Thank you so much, man. I love having these conversations with you and, uh, look forward to, I don't know, maybe by the end of the year I'm on again or something, but, um, I'll keep trying to do some cool stuff to try to earn my spot back on here. <laughs> yeah, pal. Well, we'll, uh, you know, we're always cheering for you. Uh, so again, I appreciate your time and taking us through it all and everything. And, uh, we'll see you at these races here in, uh, in a couple weeks. All right. Yeah. Thanks. And I'm thinking about you guys. Hope that your family, I know it's tough right now. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm thinking about you guys and keep your head up, dude. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of you. Yeah, I appreciate it, pal. I appreciate you saying that. We're uh, a little bit better every day, one day at a time. You're the man. That's Brandon Hogue joining us on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast following the seventh podium finish of his career. Brandon, thanks so much, buddy. Brought to you by Manscaped. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 for 20% off, plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Thanks so much, mate. We'll see you soon, okay? Thanks, mate. See ya. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. The official tire choice of Digging Deep, CST tires are the choice of ATV Racing's elite on the track, in the woods, and every other terrain. CST tires swept the ATV Racing world in 2022 as Joel Hattrick, Bryson Neal, and Bo Barron rode their Pulse MXR and Pulse HT tires to an ATV Pro Motocross title, GNCC XC1 Pro title, and 10th ATV Pro Works Racing title, respectfully. Led by champion Joel Hattrick and podium contenders Bryce Ford, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Nick Janusa, CST's Pulse MXR tire is the most trusted tire in ATV motocross today. Available in soft and standard compounds, the Pulse MXR offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. And did I mention they have a contingency program as well? Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. The best of the best choose CST. Do you? You know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, as the Yamaha YFZ450R is the official ATV of Digging Deep. In a move started by eight-time ATVMX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, who with his next championship will become the winningest champion in ATV motocross history, we are living in ATV Racing's YFZ450R era. Alongside Weenan, seven-time GNCC XC1 Pro ATV National Champion Walker Fowler welcomed a pair of new champions to the Yamaha Champions Club as the podium-proven Yamaha YFC450R proved to be the winning choice for Joel Hetrick and Bryson Neal. This unprecedented success 
for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the clear fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has resulted in a complete Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Evident by the continuation of Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program, Yamaha riders will once again cash in on payout and prize opportunities in 2023, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ 450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com. Follow Yamaha Outdoors as well as the new Blue Crew official channel on social media and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. SSI decals, your decals, your way. SSI decals sets the standard with the best looking decals, graphics kits, and vinyl wraps in the industry. Established in 1947, SSI took shape as an offshoot of their parent company by doing a little work for local pro Chad Wienan. Nearly two decades later and fueled by a passion for ATVs, the company has flourished into one of ATV Moto's most recognized brands. From ATV Motocross, SSI has expanded into graphics and design work for top racers in GNCC, works racing, pro motocross and supercross, off-road, and more, headlined by eight-time world champion top fuel drag racer Clay Milliken. Whether your project is big or small, SSI decals will make your identity stick. Get started today at SSIDecals.com and use code DIGGINGDEEP10 for 10% off at checkout. Things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATBMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID and their wide range of championship-winning chains. From the street to the track and everywhere in between, DID chains are designed to give you the optimal riding experience with great performance and increased chain life. Consistent to the core, pick up your box of reliability today. DID, what drives you? We are proud to be partnered with Namira Technologies. For over 20 years, Namira has pushed the limit of value and reliability in the ATV and side-by-side market. Covering more applications than anyone in the industry, Namira's full line of cast and forged pistons, connecting rods, gasket kits, and industry-leading top-end repair kits and more have led to higher overall engine performance for your machine. Visit your local dealer or online at www.namira.com and follow along on Instagram for giveaways and exciting new products in 2023. Namira Technologies, your one-stop shop engine component supplier. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals and cylinders, shock and suspension parts, winches, clutch kits, valves, carb kits, bearing kits, and drive chain parts, Bronco is your hard parts source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. For over 150 years, Valvoline has been dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. As a proud member of Team Valvoline for nearly a decade, I have witnessed their unwavering commitment to pushing the boundaries of performance. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, solidifying their position as a powerhouse in the industry. Being a part of this historically great team has been an incredible privilege. When it comes to my equipment, whether it's my daily commuting vehicles, race quads, or anything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline. Their range of products and lubricants consistently delivers increased horsepower, durability, and engine life. While Valvoline's latest innovation, the Valvoline Ultimate Power Sports line, stands out as a true game changer, their entire lineup deserves recognition. 
With the Ultimate Power Sports, I've experienced unparalleled performance on the track and beyond. Its advanced synthetic formula is specifically engineered for high-performance power sports vehicles, delivering unmatched power, protection, and endurance. Upgrade to Valvoline today and experience the difference for yourself. Visit ValvolineGlobal.com to explore their full range of products, including the groundbreaking Valvoline Ultimate Power Sports. Discover why Valvoline has been a trusted name in the racing industry for over a century. All right, guys, your host, Cody Jansen here, welcoming you back to our Bud's Creek review edition of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. And let's go over our overall results and points for the AMA ATV Pro class before we get Michael Allred in here. So we know Joel Hattrick goes 1-1. He earns the 100th podium of his professional career. Chad Weenan goes 3-2 for second. This was Chad Weenan's 138th career podium, if you were wondering. And when we talk about wins with his 56th victory at Bud's Creek, the 56th victory of his professional career, Joel Hetrick is now within single digits of Chad Weenan's win total of 65 overall wins. Two absolute living legends of ATV racing bonded by rivalry and respect. Appreciate this duo while we have them. So you just heard from him. Brandon Hogue ends up third overall with two six scores. Bryce Ford, how do you argue against this? So he's won a moto. He's won his first career overall. He's held the red plate as the points leader this season. He's now podiumed five of seven races. And the two times that he didn't finish on the podium, fourth overall. 4-4 on this day, much like High Point a little earlier this season at the end of April. And rounding out the top five overall is the top five staple. But man, he had a fire second moto. Nick Janusa ends up fifth overall with 6-3 scores on the day. Jeffrey Rastrelli ends up 5-5, doesn't get the lucky bounce there with uh, with two-fifths. You typically don't finish outside the top five, but he does on this day. Overall, though, a relatively solid points day for Jeffrey, though he's going to fall out of the top three in overall points. Seventh place seems to have been Max Lindquist all season long. 8-7 scores on this day for seventh overall. Wesley Wolf he goes 7-10 for eighth overall. Uh, good showing for him. He got some good hole shots on this day, ran some fast laps. He was, he was strong on this day for sure. And a Maryland product, so good to see him do well at the home race, on the t-shirt, all those things. Man, he looks scrappy every week, so good for Wesley Wolf. Kevin Saar ends up ninth overall with 10-8 scores. And with a ninth, that ties Kevin Sars' career best in the AMA ATV Pro class. He finished ninth at Daytona. He's now finished ninth at Bud's Creek. So good for Kevin Sar, definitely trending upward. And Michael Allred, we're going to hear from him next. An impressive tenth overall on the day. Nine nine for tenth for him. And uh, yeah, awesome showing for Mike on this day, man. He's rounding right into form. I mentioned Adam Ulrich already. He ends up 11th overall. He is he is bent on fire in his rookie season. 12-11, another impressive day for him. John Glada, the GNCC specialist, the XC1 pro, comes back to the motocross track. Strong 13-12 finishes for him for 12th overall. Cody Ford ends up 13th overall with 11-14 scores. I know in the first moto he came from from nearly dead last, almost getting into the top 10. So some good showings there for, for Cody Ford. Logan Stanfield, struggle of a day for him, battling his machine, among other things. 14th overall for Logan Stanfield, 14-13 day for him. Andrew Shaddle, 15th overall, comes back. Hasn't been at all the races this year, but when he's been there, he's been good. 15-16 for Andrew Shaddle. 
15th overall in the day. Aaron Salinas, another day that doesn't really show his speed. It doesn't showcase really where he's at with his riding at all. 16th overall, 17-15 scores. But if you remember, he was going to finish 10th or 11th in that first moto before kind of tragedy struck for Aaron Salinas there. Dane Molander, he's going to wind up 17th overall on this one, 16-18 scores. Zach Harris, another localish product, I believe, for this race. Number 22, 18-17 scores for 18th overall. And Marshall Smith, he does not start. I believe he tweaked his back and had a problem with his machine in qualifying, which caused him to do not start the motos there at Bud's Creek. So let's quickly look at the point standings before welcoming Michael Allred in here. Joel Hetrick's lead is up to 57 points, 314 to Bryce Ford's 257. 15 points back is Chad Wienan, who has now broke into the top three. That's going to be a really interesting battle to watch down the stretch because I'm sure Bryce would love to hold on to that number two spot. Uh, but if he can stay consistent, it's going to be a dogfight with only six motos remaining. Uh, Jeffrey Ostrelli finds himself now seven points back of Chad Wienan in fourth. And Nick Janusa is another 20 points back in fifth. He's got an 11-point gap over Brandon Hogue. So that's going to be another battle to watch if Nick Janusa can hold on to that top five spot. We know Brandon Hogue has some momentum as we speak. Rounding out the top 10, seventh is Max Linquist, eighth is Logan Stanfield, Wesley Wolf is ninth, and the battle is going to be for that top 10 spot. Michael Allred just took over the top 10 spot, actually in a tie for 10th with Kevin Saar, uh, another guy who's trending upward, and Cody Ford was holding that spot coming into this race, but now is five points back. So that's going to be a battle to watch. And speaking of Michael Allred, trending up, performing really, really well, and Earned himself a crown this past weekend. Let's get him in here to talk about an unforgettable weekend at Bud's Creek. All right, guys, blare your trumpets, sound your horns, do whatever else that would be fit for a king. Brought to you by CSD Tires and the industry-leading CSD Pulse MXR Tires. Available in soft and standard compounds at shop.csdtires.com. Please welcome King of the Creek, Mr. Michael Allred. Mike, welcome back to the podcast, buddy. So great to see you. And man, we knew you uh, you had the TT prep thing going on combined with a, a weekend at Bud's Creek. That was probably your best outing of the year or one of them for sure. And uh, King of the Creek Award was the outcome, man. It was a, a weekend that you're probably going to remember forever. Hey, Cody. Uh, super cool to be back on. Uh, yeah, uh, I was stoked on the whole event when I first heard about it. And I started doing the TTs at Birch Creek a little bit uh, just because they was close to home. And then mm-hmm. they came up with this event and had the King of the Creek. So it all kind of it kind of played out in a good way. Yeah, it kind of all came together. That was one of my questions was, did it start with like what what started the whole TT thing? Was it simply because they're in your area? Because you do come from a hotbed of, of TT racing where you're from in North Carolina. But I didn't know if what stemmed it was knowing that this you know, this combo event was coming and you wanted to be a part of both sides or did it just come naturally even without kind of that factor? It was simply, uh, yeah, they was close by the house. Um, I have a few friends that work at black ankle raceway. Oh, sure. That are big in the TT stuff. So I've been talking to them a little bit and a few buddies from here at home and it just worked out right. I found some tires. Uh, I ran the few at Birch Creek, you know, without a sway bar, which I think <laughs> played in my favor. That track had more burned up, burned up turns. It wasn't quite as fast pace okay. as uh, Bud's Creek was. But, yeah, people, I mean, like the 
TT community is just like the MX community. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all friendly. They're all there to help you out. So they lend me tires. Everything was loners <laughs> at Birch Creek. And then I just threw them on and had a good time. Yeah, man, I love it. And the cool thing about this past weekend is it felt like, you know, with you and Wesley and, you know, some of the other people from the moto side doing the TT side, it was like the whole ATV motocross community was pulling for you guys, you know, like that, that was a kind of a cool factor of the whole combo event at, at Bud's Creek there. Yeah, it was super cool. They had like, they had the whole left side of the stands filled out there and, you know, you could, you could hear them as you came by. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of loud bikes out there. They don't do sound or anything like that. So uh, I could barely hear my MX bike while I was out there, but uh, it was a great time. And a lot of short pipes, you know, that that's what yeah. stands out to me too. You got yeah. these TC shorty looking like, like, you know, all, all kinds of pipes out there. It's nuts, but uh, yeah, you couldn't hear yourself think, but let's, let's start with the the main focus, the, the moto stuff. Of course, you suffered this gnarly wreck last year. It, it shut down your season prematurely. So I wasn't necessarily, you know, sure what to expect coming into the year this year for you. And man, you came back strong. It's been a really strong season so far. It seems to me like you picked up right where you left off, but man, like it seemed like, I guess you can fill me in, but, uh, it sounded like you were dealing with some, some serious stuff at the end of last season there. And, um, I guess you can tell me what kind of road to recovery that that was like for you. Yeah, it was in between rounds. Um, I was practicing out at Lake sugar tree and, uh, I just had to get off by myself and, hit my head pretty hard um i fractured a vertebrae in my back and i had a small bleed in my brain um okay. it was like a they call it a, a brain contusion also which is bruised and uh okay. a knee contusion on my right knee so i was banged up pretty good um i really really was talking to chris you know wanting to come back and roll around but mm-hmm. I think it was a better decision just to sit the rest of the season out and uh, on forward from that this year. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect either. I just I just kept working for my goals, and, you know, it's kind of been up and down this year. I had another good get-off at high point, but luckily, mm-hmm. you know, nothing, nothing came about. I was okay. I was just banged up a little bit and was able to make – I'm able to make all the rounds so far, and uh, – hoping to continue on that route and I'm just having fun with it, man. Yeah, man. It's all coming together. It really is. The The comeback has been successful so far. Like I said, picking up where you left off when you look at your results, I mean, 14, 11, 10, 12, 11, 11, 10, uh, it's, you know, very consistent, which is kind of your MO obviously, but also it seems like you're peaking right now. It really does. Even in recent weeks, you've maybe had some, you know, some, some good motos that where the overall just didn't go your way, where it fell on the 11 side of the 10 kind of thing. But, uh, you got a 10th this past weekend now, 10th in points, which is a big deal. I'm sure that's kind of, that might be a goal on your list of goals. There is top 10 in points. I don't know that but uh with another strong 10th this weekend tell me about that about this most recent weekend at bud's creek because it was a it was a good weekend for you i mean top 10s in a class that fast man uh you can't sleep on that that's a that's a big deal yeah that's definitely a goal is a top 10 uh this is my third year in the pro class and i've i was there last year before my accident and i was just out of it my first year so uh (laughs) yep that's what i'm working really hard towards um Bud's Creek was really close to home. It felt real homey to me. I had been there before, so 
I really enjoyed it. I just, I was riding really loose and I was just riding like myself, um, which helps with the confidence going into these next few rounds. For sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about, tell me about Saturday, the, the moto side first, uh, how your motos went. Um, you got a good start. I think it was the second moto you came out, got to had to be top four or five, right? Yeah. The first, first moto I came out, uh, fifth. Okay. I had two good starts. Um, okay. My ball motor was pulling great out of the hole. Uh, I went to the same gate, both motos. Okay. Um, second moto, I probably left five or six gates on the inside of me open, but that one looked the smoothest to me and it worked out. It worked out good. So, uh, yeah, two good starts. The first moto, I kind of got in a gap right there in ninth where the guy ahead of me, he had pulled on out, and I had a good gap behind me, so I was in a comfort zone. So That's a good place to be. We finished there, and then uh, second moto came out fourth, and we had the same pace going pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Saar, he picked it up a little bit, moto two, and – he was coming for me. He made it around me, and then I think he had a bike problem. Okay. And as soon as I got around him, he got it fired back up, and with two laps to go, he got back around me, which really, <laughs> really hurt me. But okay, it was a fun race, and uh, it was fun battling with him. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing more of that uh, throughout the next three races. Yeah, man. You're, like I said, you're you're literally you're you're truly rounding into form. You're peaking right when you want to be. You're right where you want to be. So you say top 10 in points is where you want to be. You're top 10 in points now with uh for the first time this season, I would presume, with three races to go, which is uh which is an awesome place to be for you. So tell me about the track this past weekend. It was kind of cool. I mean, there was some blue grooved I saw, obviously some big hits that are all over the internet. I don't know how rough it got. You can for, fill me in on that, but tell me about the track. It seemed like everybody was having a good time out there in Maryland. The track was nice. They had a uh, practice a few months back, and oh, yeah. uh, yep. I got to say that it was completely different from what that was. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was nice. Uh, the track, it got it did get a little hard, like blue grooved in areas, and then it was rutted in areas also, so you kind of got a mix of both. Mm-hmm. I like that. The hits were fun. I love to jump. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, big gulp. That one, you know, that was a stretch all weekend. So it looked like it, man. You yeah, guys it was. To... Uh, it was super fun though, and uh, just happy to come out with a good weekend and safe and healthy and continue on with the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seemed like for me, from like the videos and stuff I saw, I swear you were making that that big gulp triple like as clean as anybody. Yeah, you just come out of that turn and you hold it. There's no over jumping it. So uh, <laughs> it's it's whatever run you get out of that turn, you just hold her licked and uh, right. Hopefully you make it. So I always thought that that was the those are the kind of jumps that like were easy on your brain. You didn't have to think real hard. You just had to pin it. Yeah, right. That's it's simple. Yeah, there you go. So then, uh, so that's the moto side of it. Take me through how crazy the schedule was then for you. I mean, I know you did a little riding on Friday night on the TT stuff. Uh, you do the normal pro schedule on Saturday that concludes you're probably spent, you know, as you are after a, after a full day of racing in the pro class. And then how soon do you shift your focus to the night program? Like, like, tell me about how that all played out schedule wise, logistically and stuff on Saturday. 
going into the race Saturday, I wasn't sure if we would be able to do the TT because I wasn't sure on the schedule. So okay, once yeah. I found all that out, they said that the they was going to hold the pro TT until five o'clock. Yeah, yeah, because you and I messaged each other back and forth last week, and I'm like, man, from what he tells me, the the schedule shouldn't conflict. But I wondered how. I mean, it was going to be demanding, Mike, for you either way, right? Because you raced a uh, full ass day on a, on a you know brutal track and a hot day and all these things. And then you were still having to go TT racing after that. So uh, that's why I was like, man, that's a lot for, for a dude doing that. So, yeah, I was kind of stressing it at first because they said five o'clock. So, you know, we come off the track at, you know, around 4.30, 4.35. And right. I would have had to have been over there at five, but... <laughs> Luckily, the TT track, the races, they got behind a little bit, and I didn't run our pro heats until, I'd say, around 8.30 okay. that night. So okay. I had a good time to, you know, eat dinner and take a shower and get a little rest and got it. get over there. So uh, it wasn't too bad. The schedule wasn't too bad. It wasn't too big of a rush. So that's what made it nice also. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So like you, you were able to focus on the fun then. So that's a good thing. So you had done Birch Creek, right? You had done Birch Creek. So you'd done a little TT racing, kind of figured out that worked out the bugs, worked out the kinks or whatever. So then you go to buds for this one. Now th- those, those jitters or whatever are shaken up, but you said the track was a little different. So take me through like what that track was like compared to the Birch Creek track. When, when you got to the TT track there at buds Creek. I'd have to say uh, both tracks, they were pretty tight on passing. Okay. But the main difference was this track was a lot more fast-paced. Say um, we did Friday practice from 5 to 8. Okay. Um, They got maybe 10 practices in before a big storm that came big through. That big storm. And I got, I got yeah. to go out once and do probably four or five laps. Um, On race night, the track got super washboardy like really hard mm-hmm. blue grooved um super tacky mm-hmm. it was a lot more fast paced like friday i say i had to change my gearing from friday to saturday just because friday i'd hit the front stretch right there coming out of the last turn right before mm-hmm. the finish line yeah and i'd be fifth gear rev box halfway down the start <laughs> need some halfway gear. down the straight stretch and so we okay. changed our gearing a little bit and that helped tremendously um Dylan Jones, Eric Jones, they gave me some wheels and tires to use. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, uh, Terry Pope from TRE, he okay. actually loaned me a sway bar, which was, which was played a key role in uh, Saturday night racing. Uh, it didn't hurt me too bad at Birch just because it wasn't so fast paced, but this track being a lot more wide open, um, I would have had a lot more roll. So that, that played a big role in, uh, racing the tt also so i just wanted to give them a shout out thank you yeah man for sure and it's cool like it's obviously a totally different form of racing but it feels like a totally different world the tt side of things like it's just so different at the same time i freaking love it uh i grew up doing it yeah i just i really enjoy it it's like one of those things where 
you know, like, like you, you know, you're riding motocross all the time. Like it all blurs together, right? Like all the laps you do, all these things, maybe you don't, you know, you don't always leave the practice track or whatever, or even the races with the giant smile on your face, but just by changing it up, doing a little TT or whatever, it, it obviously brings, I think it brings some of the fun right to the top. You know, you, you're out there on your machine with a big smile on your face. Then when you go back to motocross too, it's probably like, okay, like this is my comfort zone kind of thing, you know? Like, it's just a, it's just kind of a reset, but like I said, I love it. I'm glad you had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it does make it a, it does make it a lot more fun. Um, just because like you said, you, you do something over and over and over when you switch it up, it makes it a lot better. And it's like starting all over and there's no stress and you just go out there mm-hmm. and you're smiling the whole time you're riding your full wheeler. So. Exactly. I love it. So you end up 10th. So tell me about the, the actual racing itself, because, you know, finishing in the top 10, I, my family, my dad and I were talking about this and I'm like, man, like, I don't think people understand how gnarly, you know, the TT pros are like, they're just like our motocross pros. It's just inverted. Like you're not just going to hop in there and set the world on fire. So finishing top 10, like you did, man, that's amazing, which is absolutely badass. You're a badass. So tell me about the races. Um, yeah, it's super cool being out there with those guys uh, like Brad and CJ and Aaron and yeah, all those guys, uh, Chucky, um, they're all great riders. And, um, like when the race starts, you, you know about where you're at, but I'm sure you know you about the Joker lane, mm-hmm. um, yep. pros and pro-am, they have to take it one time yep. every race. So once I take the Joker lane, I have no idea what position I'm in. I'm just riding until the end of the race. So it's kind of fun just in that in that nature, just because you're just out there having a blast, going as fast as you can, and wherever you end up, where you end up. Right. Yeah, I've often I've often thought because the Joker lane is a newer thing, right? It's a newer concept to the TT world, and I've often thought like, man, like if you're in the middle of the pack, right? Just like you said, it's like, man, you lose track of where you are, and you're just along for the ride at that point. But I gotta imagine that Joker lane thing has to be stressful if you're at the front of the pack, like it, it right? Like, can you imagine leading or being in second, knowing that that's your opportunity to maybe make a move? Like, I would I would find that to be stressful. I really would. Yeah, I'm, there's there's certain points when you want to take it. I've been talking to a few people, learning a few things. So mm-hmm. I mean, like my first time at Birch Creek, you know, I was like, I don't I don't know when to take. I think I'm just gonna take it first lap, get it out of the way. And, I think you'd want to take it late, though. I think you'd want to take it late, don't you think? Or is that not true? Uh, if I'd say if you get a bad start, you'd want to go ahead and take it. That way, you're not battling with anybody. You're out by just over with. And you okay, can catch people as yeah. they take it. You'll be passing them. Sure. Um, yeah. But if you get a good start, you probably want to click off laps, try to pull mm-hmm. a gap if you can. Yeah. If you do hear somebody behind you um, one lap and then they're not there the next lap, you know they took it the lap before you. So you want to take it that next lap. So maybe, you know, you sure. can come out right ahead of them where you ended up. So, yeah, yeah. Those are things I've just been kind of questioning people, you know, trying to learn, you know, the new discipline. It's mm-hmm totally different everything you do on the mx track you don't do over here on the tt track so that and that's so funny you say that because that's why i knew you were going to be good at this because you're such a calculated rider like you've proven to be you know you hit your marks every lap you're consistent like that's why i knew you were going to be good at this and uh, i think that that's you know that's kind of what you're hitting on like you can't just override it you can't just bonsai shit and charge into something way too hard like like a person can do on a motocross track from time to time you can't do that on the on the tt track 
track, but uh, man, like you're, you're talking about the strategy and picking people's brains and all these things. It kind of sounds like maybe there's some more TT racing in your future. Uh, we'll see. It's definitely fun. Um, I'm mainly focused on MX right now, so of we're going to finish this year out and see how that goes. And mm-hmm. maybe we'll do another year. It's kind of up in the air right now. Me and Chris has been talking about it. So uh, okay. we'll see. Um, it's, getting better and better as the year goes on um but yeah the tt part of things is super fun and i'm having a blast with it man yeah i would love i would love to see you guys do it at least for another year man how cool is that picture of chris on the on the fence cheering for you man like to have a guy like that in your corner and uh and just you know i because when i when i was around you more it was when you and chris's son were you know kind of teaming up together and, and stuff like that and now uh, now he's not doing it anymore and it's just you and Chris. And I just got to imagine like, like that's gotta be really cool for you. And just to have somebody again, to have somebody that's in your corner like that. And like, you could just, you can just see the passion. Like that's what we all want to have a guy that believes in you like that is the coolest thing. And man, what, uh, that, that team that you and Chris have been these last, you know, handful of years, man, that's uh that's a really special thing. It's a special bond. I bet. Thanks Cody. That means a lot. Yeah. I was, uh, I'm actually grateful uh, Rebecca's there, the RKH photography, because yeah. she catches all the moments. She does. Year, man, and she does. I love it. pictures are awesome. Um, me and Chris, we've, you know, it's, it's it was actually like a dream come true. I mean, people told me to just keep running the locals and keep running the locals, and maybe somebody would see you. And I met Chris at a local. and Wow. And here we are today. So, I mean, it's it's crazy how things work and I'm super thankful how things worked out. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't imagine anybody better to have on my side, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. He He's not hard on me, but he wants me to do good. So he's, you know, he don't, he's not hard enough where it makes me want to go. I'm done with this stuff, but he pushes me enough to keep me motivated. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's exactly what we all need, right? Like you, we all, Y'all, you want to be pushed. You want to be challenged. You want to be pushed to your best, but you also don't want to be abused and you don't want to be somebody's verbal punching bag or anything like that. But that's why it works so well, Mike, is you guys, you guys have this perfect balance of you guys are both pushing to be better, pushing to be, you know, what you, what, uh, what, whatever your highest level you can be is, but man, you're, uh, you're getting better all the time. I love to see it. You're, you're an awesome rider and, uh, man, the, the class wasn't right without you last year. It stunk. And then, you know, to, to see what you've done this past weekend, that's what was so cool about the TT thing is I thought it, it really showcases, you know, the talents that, that guys like you guys, like, you know, Wesley or other guys that jump in there, it kind of shows the talent that you have, right. It, it shows the, the other things that you can do when you jump into a different discipline, you're able to show different skills that you have. And, and you jumped in there and looked, looked perfectly capable and like you almost belonged there in the TT stuff. And that's not an easy thing to do. So, uh, man, that, that King of the Creek is going to be, uh, going to be a, a great trophy, great addition to the mantle there for you. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that I knew that this was going to happen, but like I said earlier, I, I surely had some, some belief that we could be sitting here talking to you as the, the King of the Creek, because like I said, you're such a well-rounded rider. You're so solid. You're so consistent, man, buddy. I'm stoked for you, but can't say I didn't see this coming. Cause I had some belief for sure. Thank you, Cody. That means a lot. Uh, yeah, me and Chris, we worked super hard to get where we're at. It's been eight years now we've been together. So, wow. uh, that's awesome. 
we things things happen fast because it definitely don't feel like that long. So when you and Chris first teamed up, were you racing the B class? Would that have been what you were racing? I was not. I actually jumped in head first. My first year with Chris, I ran pro sport and an A class. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Um, I was riding a little over my head those first few years. <laughs> okay, uh, I had a lot of get offs, a lot of hospital trips. Okay. Um, so yeah, I had to back it down a little bit and kind of. It was a lot different going to the nationals from just racing, you know, five or six guys every weekend. Of so, course, yeah. So it was something I had to adapt to, and we finally adapted to it, and it's been good ever since. Yeah, man. So I didn't, I couldn't remember, like I didn't know, I wasn't aware of of what you would have been doing, you know, whatever year that would have been eight years ago. But uh, but yeah, then I knew, you know, you go on to win a class national championships and finish second to Max Linquist and Pro-Am, which was an awesome year. And then, like I said, be right around the top 10, basically, uh, for your whole, you know, your whole pro career so far um, to be kind of right in the mix there. Like I said, you've looked like you belong since day one, which is awesome. So three three races to go now, buddy. Uh, we talked about you're kind of right where you want to be, 10th in points. Uh, so, so how do you, how do you maintain this thing? What do you got to do? What do you got to, got to do the rest of the year here with three races to go to pull this thing off? Um, just do a lot of riding, um, planning on picking up my riding a little more for the next three rounds. Um, we got a lot more guys staying around this area just because the races are closer to home now. Sure. Um, I just got to stay focused and, uh, put in the work. You make Mm -hmm. your own luck. So. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, you got to get some of those patented Michael Allred starts. That 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 wouldn't hurt. Right. Eh? They're picking up this weekend, so hopefully we can keep the momentum going. Yeah, I love it. So the last thing I want to touch on is uh is your your schedule, pal. So before before this, we're sitting here right now and it's after eleven o'clock your time and you had to race down to Chris's and you know unload some some stuff, get your practice quad and all that stuff. And I know you you balance work with all this. So tell me about your schedule a little bit. Like how many days a week do you ride? Uh, you know, I know you're you do a ton of traveling, you work your tail off. Uh so so tell people about your schedule a little bit, because I feel like you don't, uh, you don't have any extra time to breathe, which I know that feeling. There's there's not a lot of time. That's for sure. Uh, I go to work normally from seven 30 to four, five o'clock in the evening. Um, when I get off, it's either, uh, I'm going to work on the bike or I'm going to ride the bike. So, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to work out depending weather permitting. So, yeah. And then in, in the mix, of all that, I got my son, mm-hmm. which it's been awesome having them come to the races this year. Uh, they keep me on my toes here and there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's awesome. a tight schedule. Uh, when I'm not working, I'm thinking about how I can be better on and off <laughs> the track. So yeah, like today I went to work. I, uh, as soon as I got off, I headed to Chris's, like you said, get my practice bike ready. I changed them all, uh, check my race bike over. Um, me, Chris, and Max, we went and got something to eat and got home about 9.30, and here we are, uh, <laughs> 10.45, Zoom calling. So yeah. it's, it's been a busy day, and but I enjoy it. Uh, 
when I'm just sitting around with nothing to do, I'm thinking too much. So I like having <laughs> a busy schedule. I like doing one thing, thinking about what I got to do next. So mm-hmm. that's what keeps me going. Yeah, here we are talking about racing to end the day. Well, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you carving out a little time for us. Uh, awesome conversation it is every time we get a t- chance to chat, buddy. And uh, like I said earlier, I, I didn't think that we could tell the story of Bud's Creek without talking to you and this uh, King of the Creek Award, which is pretty prestigious, pretty cool. And, uh, man, it was uh, a weekend that you're not going to forget, that's for sure. Thank you, Cody. Yeah, it was truly an honor and uh I was stoked on the whole weekend. Um, I appreciate you having me on again, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Heck yeah, man! We're uh, we're always cheering for you here. Always stoked to see you, see you, and all your success. And thanks for, uh, like I said, thanks for etching a little time for us. And we'll see you at one of these races here in the next couple of weeks, pal. All right. All right, Cody. Thank you. Thanks so much, buddy. That's Michael Allred, brought to you by CST Tires, right here on the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. See you, pal. See you, buddy. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at Manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. Hey everyone, this is Larry Mills, president of DP Bricks North America and proud partner of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. We at DP Brakes are a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology, dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. This year's lineup includes Jeff Restrelli, Mark Baldwin and Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, and many more, including Mr. Digging Deep himself, Cody Jansen, plus all the top 17 GNCC pros such as seven-time champion Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Hunter Hart, Cole Richards, and Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and previous champion Chris Borch. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer. Products ultimately help place them on top of the podium week after week. DP brakes are available through www.dp-brakes.com or you can purchase them through your local parts and limited stocking dealer. Or you can even message us, myself, Larry Mills, or DP Brakes on Instagram or Facebook. And if you have any questions about product or sponsorship support, please ask us. We are waiting for you. Join the best ATV riders in the world equipped with DP Brakes. And have a great year, everyone.
Nearing two decades into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back and better than ever, continuing to make major waves in the ATV world. For the third consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for two-time champ Joel Hetrick. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of industry-leading products available for all makes and models. Head over to Factory43ATV.com today. Success in the ATV MX world is similar to what creates financial success as well. The right people, the right advice, and more importantly, hard work and the benefit of an ongoing relationship as situations change and adversity is experienced. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? Haymower Financial Group can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help your family prepare for whatever life brings. Call me, Scott Haymower, at Haymower Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, at 920-338-8150. That's 920-338-8150. Offices located in beautiful De Pere, Wisconsin, with registrations and clients nationwide. Headlined by the 4130 Chromali, Launderville Steel and Concrete Supply is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products. This racing family-owned full metal service center and concrete product supplier comes with over 30 years of experience serving the entire United States from their central Midwest location. As the number one choice for nationwide shipments and with available next-day delivery in select areas, LSE has you covered near or far. 4130 is not just the chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for an array of motorsports applications, but it is also the name of the newest addition to the Pro Paddock with riders Jaden J.J. Launderville and Max Linquist, introducing the new 4130 Motorsports team. Launderville Steel offers a large selection of material for any project, including their concrete division that can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. For a quote or more info, visit LaundervilleSteel.com today or give them a call at 715-675-6193. That's 715-675-6193. Here at Digging Deep, we have an obvious passion for ATVs and pridefully enjoy sharing the sport's history. Since 2019, when the podcast was born, we've been working to partner with individuals who share our passion, but one man and his vision had been missing from our partnership group until now. When it comes to the sports history, the hallowed grounds of Binky's Forever ATC Museum has it all. Binky Tapscott's mind-blowing collection of three- and four-wheelers has preserved history by spanning all makes and models from Honda three-wheelers in chronological order to unique builds that shaped ATV racing as we know it, like Doug Gust's iconic DRZ-powered hybrid thumper and everything in between. There's no denying Binky's passion, a passion that we certainly relate to here at Digging Deep. Binky's goal is to share his amazing collection with fellow enthusiasts by making his prized possessions accessible to the public via scheduled visits. Follow Forever ATC Museum on Facebook and watch ForeverATC.com for further updates on possibly getting a chance to see Binky's Forever ATC Museum for yourself. We are proud to welcome Binky's Forever ATC Museum to the Digging Deep family. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Jay Goble and the Impact crew strive to exceed clients' expectations for service and setup. 
Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, guys, Cody Jansen, your host here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, our Bud's Creek review show. Uh, one last quick segment here before we get to Kinsey Osborne. We got to look at our amateur standouts from Bud's Creek. At the very start, we touched on the Pro-Am class, Mason Jackson taking the overall with 2-1 scores, followed by Joey Chambers with 1-2 scores, and Blair Miller rounded out the podium with 2-3 scores. An honorable mention, though, goes to Kevin Saar, who won his heat race and then finished fifth in the second moto. And that fifth came after coming from dead last, suffering a gnarly get-off, flipping down the start straight, came all the way back to fifth. Kevin Saar is the real deal. As for pro sport, we touched on Joey Chambers getting the win with 2-2 scores. He grabs the overall win in pro sport, followed by Brett Musig. His 1-3 scores were good enough to earn him a little gap in the points standings, your new points leader outright, and Joey Norris. Joey Norris finishes on the pro sport podium with 3-4 scores. The 16-year-old, just legal, just off the 250 last season, comes out in his in his debut and puts it on the pro sport podium. Unreal. Joey Norris is going to be a kid to watch here in the very near future. It sounded like maybe he's going to pro-am at the very next race, so we're going to see a lot of Joey Norris. Speaking of Joey Norris, he also got a win in the Production A class, going 1-1 in Production A. Gregory Anderson. Gregory Anderson gets two wins in the C classes. That's not a name I've seen, so shout out to Gregory Anderson. And another guy that stood out was Talon Trimble. He got a pair of second overall finishes in 450A and college 16 to 24. So shout out to Talon. Love that family. Uh, their, their constant support of digging deep means the world to us. Brett Musig grabbed the win in the Junior 25 Plus class. The 250 classes went to Damian Hubert, Vincent Dillon, and Noah Arnold. So we had three different winners once again in the 250 classes. Lillian Plaza got a pair of wins. Let's just go right down the list here. Super Mini went to Jaden Powell. 90 Open went to Styles West. 90 Automatic, Ethan Cornell. 90 Shifter, Styles West. 70 Open, Davin Sloniker. 70 Auto, Ethan Cornell. 70 Shifter, Cash Jackson. Wow. 50 Open, Bennett West. 50 CVT, Sammy Joe Baxter. And 50 Automatic, Kobe Tressler. We mentioned Kobe Tressler winning the Youth King of the Creek Award. And speaking of King of the Creek, we should quickly look at some of the TT results as well. Like I said, an absolute monster, CJ Robson. He wins the Pro Class. He wins the Pro-Am 400-450 Class. He wins the ATV Pro-Am Unlimited Class. What a three-way sweep of Bud's Creek for CJ Robson. Man, he is an absolute monster. Second in the pro class went to Brad Riley. Third went to Tyler King. 
Second in that Pro-Am 400-450 class went to Aaron Medlin and Carter Buff finished third. And our guy Brad Riley finished second in the Pro-Am Unlimited class. And that Carter Buff finished third again in that one. Also, so we talked about Michael Allred finishing 10th. Where was Wesley Wolf? He ended up 13th in the Pro class there. So shout out to Wesley Wolf again. Zach Harris, another AMA ATV Pro, he finished in the 16th position in the main event in the pro class and guys we're running super long i'm running way out of time so we're actually going to feature our ssi decals top five storylines heading into round eight at pleasure valley we're going to feature those right on our social media channels next week so let's plan for that but let's get kinsey osborne in here we've made her wait long enough let's get to kinsey osborne for our final segment of the night All right, guys, it's been a little bit since we last talked to this next guest, but she's uh, been a blast every time she's joined us. Presented by Valvoline and their all-new Ultimate Power Sports line of oil. Say hello to the reigning, defending, undisputed WMX ATV Motocross National Champion and undefeated in the WMX class this season as well, Miss Kinsey Osborne. Kinsey, long time no talk. Welcome back to Digging Deep, of course. So stoked to uh, chat with you a little bit tonight. Thanks for fitting us into your schedule. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Cody. I love coming on here. Well, Kinsey, you're you're like I said, you're awesome. Awesome every time you jump on the show with us. Always so much fun. The conversations are and uh talking about Bud's Creek. We just had Bud's Creek this past weekend. Bud's Creek was a special one. We were previewing it coming into the event that it was going to be a special weekend for many reasons, one of which was the specialty awards being handed out. We already had one of the kings of the creek on the show with us tonight now we have another but maybe they should have called yours the the queen of the creek kinsey that would have made a little bit more sense yeah uh actually i think i think that's what it is called. oh is I it mean, on the trophy, yeah on the trophy they gave me it's, okay it's is it okay well, I, that part i didn't know i when we talked to uh when we talked to ezra about the about the kings of the creek awards i was doing the math in my head i'm like man it would be the queen of the creek so i'm glad that they got that right yeah. for you but uh but yeah that's a that's a awesome award to have so been a great season for you so far all the way leading up to and through buds creek undefeated in the wmx class another one one performance on saturday so tell me about the the first part of your jam-packed day this past saturday out there Oh man. Well, coming into the weekend to start off, we just left the house with the trailer, right? We weren't even, <laughs> no talk about TT before, before, okay. days before days. until that morning, my dad brought it up and he was like, you know, if we just had some, some tires, we can just put on your bike. I mean, I know that's not the like ideal setup for sure. TT racing, but, and, yeah. and he was like, oh, or you can, borrow someone else's bike and we know um the mickleys they're from ohio and they race tt nationals so luckily they had a bike willing to spare to me and that's the bike we used it was all last minute literally on the drive there well i kinsey i wonder if uh wonder if i had a little bit to do with that because i had not known about these awards at all and until Ezra came on our show and i i got the feeling that nobody really knew about it until we started talking to him on the show and then posting about it on social media. So, uh, so maybe we had a little bit to do with that, but, but pretty cool that that all came together. Cool that you had, a uh, somebody willing to let you hop on their bike right then and they're all set up for TT. So let's start with motocross. Tell me about motocross. How did WMX go on, on Saturday at Bud's Creek? Both motos are on Saturday. Tell me about the track and, and that whole deal. Uh, the perfect season stays alive. I, I saw your dad in a post saying that that's got some pressure on him. So, uh, tell me about WMX 
motocross first, then we'll talk about TT. All right. So Saturday morning, I mean, I had my, uh, what was it? 450B moto that went smooth, whatever. Okay. Not really, but <laughs> okay. so to WMX, um, I, going into the weekend, just seeing the start, I was kind of like skeptical about that first turn. A little sketchy. Little, yeah, a little sketchy about the start. I there didn't know sure. how it would really play out, but it ended up not being too bad as I thought. So um, okay. I got the whole shot in Moto One. Um, just kind of rode my own race. I, I love the track. The track was really fun. I like the layout. So, yeah, I mean, I just kind of did my own thing in Moto One and then. Moto two, I would say about the same, got the whole shot again, did my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not really pushing too crazy. Cause I mean, I crashed Friday and broke an axle the same day. So oh, I just boy. wasn't really trying to have some more bad luck. Okay. okay. So, so that was in the back of your head at this point. So tell me about like, yeah. you know, your, your, your six overalls, uh, into this streak, right? 12 motos. Like, is that something that you. I mean, obviously you're not out there thinking about it. I'm sure during the moto, but like, does the, is there like pressure that comes with this streak? Or are you just out there doing your thing and just, uh, this is how it's playing out. No, I'm definitely out there just chilling because my B classes, <laughs> I'm more worried about those okay. than WMX when, when I love when I have to race, um, when it's time for WMX and not B cause it's just like, finally I can relax Okay. cause the full gate of B guys, I just, I hate it. I hate it, but <laughs> I mean, I also at the same time love racing with the guys, but mm-hmm. it's intimidating for sure more than WMX. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that with the WMX class, not in a bad way by any means, but I think it's probably a little more predictable, right? Like you know how everybody's going to race you. Some of yeah. those, some of those B class dudes, you know, you don't know. Yeah, what to you expect can't necessarily. predict them. Right, exactly. You can never predict them. <laughs> exactly, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun to monitor your racing all all season long so far. So then you, you told us at what point you decided to go TT racing. I'm assuming you rode TT on Friday night, question mark. I know there was a storm. I know that that might've impacted some stuff, but did you get to ride the TT quad on Friday and get your, your legs on that a little bit? Uh, yes, I did. Um, they had, they had, I don't know what the deal was with practice, but it was like, you just pay like 25 bucks and you just go out as much as you want. That's oh, wow. what we it need, sounded like. We need that program and ATVMS. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I was so lost. I didn't really know what practice group I was in. Okay. So I think at one point I went out with the pro-am guys like Wesley Wolf and oh, wow. <laughs> Michael Allred and them. Okay. But I mean, I did fine. I okay. mean, but yeah, I only went out twice Friday. Um, okay. I was in line for my third practice when it started pouring. So Got it. Got it. I heard that that storm was pretty nasty. Yeah, it it was. And surprisingly, I was thinking like, man, I'm not going to be able to do race practice Saturday morning, but it turns out the track was dry by oh, then. The track looked mint Saturday yeah. morning. Yeah. The track looked beautiful yeah. Saturday morning. So, so take me back to the first laps on the TT thing. Uh, from what you said, it didn't sound like you had any TT experience necessarily. So, no. I mean, for some people, the, the high speeds and, you know, being inside a wall and all those things are kind of like shocking, but sounds like, uh, sounds like maybe chill is the word. Maybe you were just chill about the whole thing and it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I mean, I was just a little like 
nervous about like when I was right about to go out for the first practice, okay. but didn't know what to, it's, it's out of your comfort zone. Yeah. As soon as I hopped on uh, Joey Mickley's bike though, just to like roll into staging, I was like, man, this is so weird. Like it, it sits so low to the ground and it's yeah. just, it's everything's different. Yeah. But um, yeah, going out on the track, I mean, I felt, I it first felt like a like fair race, just like a hundred times faster. Okay. And um the track i mean i kept wanting to like stand up for like the little tabletops <laughs> and like the straightaways but like i came off the track and they're like you gotta sit down like this isn't motocross you can't do that yeah and i was like well okay and just everything about <laughs> it i mean i i liked it i thought i thought it was really fun i just mm -hmm. want to keep going mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's rained, of right 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 for sure yeah i agree uh totally different deal but i don't know what it's like to be like shell-shocked by it because i grew up doing the whole tt thing so uh then tell me about the races so was the entire wmx or or whatever they call it the the women's class was that all in the night program so none of that crossed over with all your racing during the day on saturday is that how that played out yeah no they didn't start um they had so they do the format is like heat race and then main yes. event yes yep so they didn't even start the heat races till like five -ish. oh really so there was basically no yeah. crossover then or very little yeah no. got it no and they were they were supposed to start at like four i think but they were running behind so got it they didn't start till five and my heat race was probably around like six okay i don't really remember but okay um and my heat race i got what was it i think third but the thing was i like i was so like i wasn't focused at all on the flags like i didn't look at the flags once okay like i was so like i was just having fun like trying yeah. to go as fast as i could i i apparently they pulled the checker down i didn't even see it i went for another lap oh nice they, rookie move the red flag on me and i think actually <laughs> girls girls in my heat saw me go off keep going so i think they like pulled off but then they they kept going once they saw me got it so they went through the lap with me <laughs> nice nice uh yeah the, the the whole flag situation and i mean it yes it's a totally totally different deal there yeah. um so then what about main events tell me about main event because you finished you finished third in the main event too right or third or fourth uh, yeah. So my heat race had eight people, but the main event had, I think 16 or 17. Good turnout. Um, wow, nice. the thing, I think the thing that killed me the most was the starts, the starts so weird compared to motocross. It's so, so you're fast. using, like, and you're using a light, right? Yeah. Literally yeah. the guy stands on the side, points at all of us down the row and yep. the light turns green like a second after that. Oh, really? And everyone just takes off. Huh. So typically like what I'm used to would have been point at everybody kind of like sunset Ridge, right? Like point at everybody, um, red, yellow. And then when it goes green, you would go. No, there was just a, a red and green light. And huh. it was kind of, it wasn't even like you had to look to your left to see the light. It to wasn't see like the light. down exactly yeah you're not yeah you're not uh, that's relatively typical i think so it's it's weird oh, okay. for us because obviously you're looking down at the gate on a motocross track and uh that's not what you're doing in flat track or tt yeah but it was just crazy to me how fast these girls reaction times were because i was okay. so used to like waiting for it more slow but ramp no, up in motocross yeah 
So basically, I was just camping on the camping on the start really <laughs> okay. bad. So then you had but to make some I passes. Had, yeah, I had brand new tires on the bike thanks to Joey's dad, Russell. Um, so he thinks the tires help me catch catch up with more grip and stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, I had to make a couple passes. Actually, no, I don't think I. In the main event, I didn't. In the heat, I did make passes. But okay. main event, I kind of I was on the inside on the starting line. Okay. So I kind of just snuck on the inside, okay. I think. But that race, I stayed. I was started in fourth, stayed in fourth, I think. Okay. But I was right behind the girl in third, like, the whole race. Got it. And it was kind of frustrating to pass. Well, it's a different, it's a different thing. Cause in yeah. motocross, you can, I mean, you might be able to bonsai something and get by somebody, right. And TT, it, it doesn't really work that way. Like even when we were talking, yeah. when we were thinking about the, you know, the Wesley Wolves, the Michael Allreds, the guys that were going to jump in the, in the pro class there on the, on the men's side, I'm thinking, well, like you can't just go into it and just be gnarly aggressive and think it's going to work out. Like that's not how that works. It's it TT is about finesse or, or whatever. So not surprising though, to me that you picked it up pretty fast though, like a class of whatever you just said, 16 and you finish fourth, right on third, uh, because you know, you've, you've obviously shown that you're such a great, such a great ATV rider in general. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad, glad to hear that you had fun doing it and you did well and, and, uh, jumped into something new and uh, your dad maybe hinted at maybe more TT races in the, in the future or something. Yeah. Um, I would love to do more TT races, but we checked the schedule and like most of them are all like on the same weekend of the nationals. Sure. Except for like one in, I think August that's okay. in Ohio, actually Ashtabula. Ashtabula. Yeah. The big one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully we can do that one. That would be really cool. Okay. So then would we get one of your quads ready for it or what would the, what would the um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Okay. A lot of people joke to me after me racing TT. They're like, so when's the TT track coming to Briarcliff? Oh, like, there you go. Your dad gonna make it to <laughs> <laughs> I love I was it. like, no, we don't have, we don't have the space for that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, it would be cool. Um, but yeah, that'd be awesome to see. I think that even being on your own quad, right? Like, obviously you got to get a sway bar. You got to change some stuff up. You got to maybe need different shots yeah. or whatever, like all the things that need to get done. But if you were on your own machine, your own controls, all that stuff, I mean, it would take some of the, you know, some of the adjustment period away or whatever, like at, at least you'd be comfortable mm-hmm. on your quad and then getting used to a different discipline of racing, not getting used to a quad and a different discipline of racing all at the same time in a race scenario right away. Like you did, uh, yeah. you did get baptized by fire there, Kinsey. <laughs> yeah, it was just overall really fun. I mean, especially, uh, coming out the infield and going onto like the oval track, the straightaway, okay. you're like, pinned like shifting like crazy i, I just mm-hmm. felt like a nascar driver to be honest with you <laughs> oh man i love to hear it well we had been saying going into the weekend that the the kings of the creek queen of the creek trophies were going to be uh, special ones to add to the mantle um so that's awesome to have that in, in your bag of tricks hopefully this is something that happens for years to come i, I really hope that this is uh becomes a normal thing uh what were you hearing about uh, I was going to shift gears there, but what were you hearing about the reaction to the Bud's Creek motocross track? Like, did people like being there? Was the experience good? You said you really enjoyed it. What were, what were your friends saying? Um, I think 
a lot of people agree that the track's really, really cool. The layout's sick. Yeah. I think there was a lot of distraction from how cool the track is by how the flaggers performed. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there was a whole like whole screw up on that part, but okay. um, yeah, I feel like the flaggers and some of the crashes going on kind of took away from the actual track itself. Sure. But sure. I didn't hear anyone the whole weekend say that they didn't like the track. Good. Well, uh, hopefully it's uh, a situation that maybe the track can learn from, right. Or whatever can, can use it as yeah. a, as a learning curve going forward. Um, I know we knew Ezra wanted to knock the thing out of the park, you know, it wasn't for a lack of him wanting to do well. And uh, kind of reminds me of, of your dad years ago, right? Like my biggest yeah. feeling about that 2014 national at your guys's place was the fact that I thought it was a fluke deal that a bunch of people got hurt. I thought the track was awesome. I thought it had nothing to do with the way that your dad prepped it or, or anything like that. And uh, I mm -hmm. thought that he just kind of got a, uh, got a bad roll of the dice and maybe that's what happened this weekend too. Obviously that that's not uh, the flaggers not involved. Like I, I did read some things yeah. like, you know, some things need to be better there, but everybody deserves a second chance, right? Like I, I feel like that's a good addition yeah. to our series and hopefully, hopefully we can maybe go back there and it'll be better next time around. Yeah. I would definitely love to go back there, especially if they do that TT yeah. stuff. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was a really cool thing. So, uh, so what I was going, what I was saying there was you, you added this, uh, queen of the Creek trophy to the mantle. Speaking of trophies, you've piled up plenty of them racing three classes so far this season. You mentioned your B class racing a little bit. You sit currently third in points and open B seventh in points and four fifty B. Uh, give my listeners a little update on how the racing, the boys has went so far this season. We saw super impressive, uh, third, I believe that Gator right away to start the season um so tell me a little bit uh, more about the the b-class stuff that you've done so far this year well for some reason i don't know what it is uh, i i always tend to have my worst luck in 450b okay then open b even though it's usually the same people racing with me um i tend to have more of my crashes my mess ups in that class okay um but seems to always go that way, right? You always have like a, like a class where yeah. everything seems to go. Okay. And then it seems like everything bad happens in one class, which maybe that's a, maybe it's good that it goes that way. You can focus on one more than the other, but uh, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. But Gatorback has been my best finish in both classes the whole year, which is really unfortunate because I've, I've been wanting to do better and work towards a win actually mm -hmm. at some point this season and yeah. I mean I've just had a lot of bad luck and mistakes and my starts my starts is the biggest thing um speak like we can just touch on last race at Bud's yeah. Creek um yeah. my starts I think it's the full gate and it might be in my head but the full gate and just coming into turns because I had at least two or three times on the whole shot with those full gated guys. I've had people just flip me over the burn, like completely T-bone me, flip me over the burn, just like take me out type of deal. Sure. Um, so I don't know, but I, I, I love it when I have divisions for those classes. Mm -hmm. So there's less people on the start. Right. But yeah. then on Sunday with the full gate, it kind of usually goes downhill. 
um, okay. that happened at Bud's uh, Open B Saturday in my division. I um, I got second, and then Sunday I got like ninth just because I got a bad start and mm -hmm. couldn't really pull out pull any good passes. Okay. Which was also on my end, my fault, but mm -hmm. definitely not what I've been the results I've been looking for. Uh, so hopefully going into PBR, I can do a little better. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, last year specifically too, like when we saw you in the B classes last year, I think that starts where such a, like such a key contributor to your good finishes, you know, finishing, like I remember yeah. might've been, I'd be guessing might've been sunset Ridge, maybe, um, where you were right in the mix for an overall, like you ended up fourth, but you just needed one pass uh, to win. Like was it, I don't know. I don't know I what class it was, Red Bud. was it red, Bud? okay. So whatever yeah. it was, I knew you had done, like you were, you were right there in the mix for, for overall wins and stuff. And I think, you know, we saw, like, I remember thinking like, there's no doubt she's going to get whole shots in the B class. Like, she, like you were just, it was like clockwork. Right. So uh, yeah. maybe, maybe it is in your head, but I always tell people, I always tell people like the safest place to be on the whole shot is out front. Right. So shoot, you just got to put that number one thirty back out front. And I think that uh, I think that those guys are going to have a hard time getting around you. Like I'm sure everybody's already telling you this, but I have the utmost confidence that you're going to rip a couple whole shots here at the end of the year and, uh, and keep that thing up front. I have no doubt. Yeah, I would love, absolutely love just one whole shot against the full gate of those guys. Just one. Mm -hmm. But um, it's coming. I mean, it... Yeah. I mean, I, it's not to say I hate racing in the class. I just hate the starting gate, but <laughs> right. the class itself, I feel like even though I haven't gotten the results I've wanted or been hoping for, yep. I feel like it's definitely challenged me as a rider. And yep. it has been fun racing with, I have a lot of my friends in that class. Mm -hmm. So it has, it's been a little fun along the way, not just all bad luck and terrible, but. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, I think there's a, a lot to be said about, um, about challenging yourself, about doing things where these are conversations we've had on the show before, where if you're expected to win something like your, your excitement level can only be so high. Right. And when you yeah. eventually win one of these things against the guys, uh, your excitement level is going to skyrocket because of all mm -hmm. of this journey you've been on to get here. Right. Like if it would have been easy, yeah. you wouldn't have appreciated it the same way that you're going to appreciate it when, you know, it all comes together and you win one of these things and, and it's going to be awesome. Like people still talk about from when I was a younger kid, Angela Moore, she literally raced the A-class and raced like pro-am back yeah. then. And people still talk about that to this day. And like, you are very much on that path, Kinsey, like you're, yeah. this, you're still a brand new, you know, big quad rider. Like this is, it's only gonna, it's only, it's only up from here. It's only going to get better from here. Yeah, thank you. I hope I hope it does. I mean, the B class itself, just racing with guys. I mean, I I race with in a few boys classes, like maybe mm -hmm. a couple of times in my two fifty days. Yeah, but I, it wasn't nothing crazy. But um, definitely this year, racing with the guys has pushed me just to like jump a jump I wouldn't normally jump, mm -hmm. or just stuff like that. Just pushing myself yeah. a little further getting out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. Which is, which is awesome. That's uh, that's what everybody's striving to do. So 
you mentioned it a little bit uh, already, but I hear you've been you've been breaking some stuff, Kinsey. You've been uh, you've been hard on your stuff. You've been all busted up, right? You've been all yes. busted and bruised up. So uh, even that hasn't been able to yeah. slow you down. But but what's the story on all that? Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty busted up right now. <laughs> um, I had a crash Friday. It wasn't even it wasn't even insane. I literally just tipped over, but um, I caught the person in front of me. I caught their rear rear tire on my front tire okay. and it caused me to flip but then my quad was stuck on top of me and that was a whole ordeal but um <laughs> yeah I did I just bruise easily I don't know why got it, got it. every I don't leave a race without a few bruises <laughs> and I don't even have to crash okay I okay. can stay on the bike and still have some bruises but yeah breaking stuff it's not been good compared to last year last year we had zero problems with my bike mm-hmm. absolutely not maybe one and that i can't even remember what it is but okay. almost every time i ride now something something's about to break or falls off or <laughs> i don't know i, I lost a nerf bar last okay. race Jeez. it was my last moto on sunday and b i i lost uh it wasn't like the part on the pegs i don't know what it's called the back part of the nerf bar oh like the the heel kick up part yeah the heel okay and they never found the track people never found it so it's still missing nice nice well uh i can't i I can't uh i can't explain the parts falling off part that might be uh that might be a a dad problem there but but uh Uh, but 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 the but the breaking stuff part the breaking stuff part, Kinsey, might just be you riding it harder and riding it faster. I remember when I was a kid, my dad said, man, if you're, if you're riding hard enough and riding well enough to, to break stuff, we'll replace it. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the situations have just been, at least my dad thinks just like stuff he's never even seen happen before. It's not supposed to happen. Usually just like bad luck type of things not really on his part at all. Just, well, that's what he wants he, you to think. Great. That's that's what he wants you yeah, to think. Yeah, or he's just saying that. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. He could just be covering himself. Yeah, no, uh, obviously I kid. But uh, tell me about the knee, too. We know you injured the the knee at Loretta's last year, fought through it, obviously. It seemed like you were, you were cutting it close to the start of the season, maybe. Um, but now I, I know we're fitting this conversation around, you know, basketball and volleyball and work and other things. So are you back to 100% at this point? Yeah, uh, actually, um, at my three-month, check up with my doctor he told me I could ride but I don't think he understood like the level of riding we were talking about so I didn't obviously I waited till about four and a half months so I started riding at the end of February early March okay but my knee I mean I it recovered like so fast like my therapist doctors they were all like wow like I can't believe you can actually do this stuff right now and I, it was just actually really, really quick, honestly. And I, ever since surgery, after obviously the first week of like pain and stuff, mm-hmm. but yep. I, my knee didn't hurt at all. I had no issues, nothing. That's awesome. Well, that's, well, that's great. That's, that's great news. It's a scary, it's a little bit of a scary thing. At least it was for, for me when I tore my ACL and I was about your exact same age, uh, just a touch younger. But I remember them saying like, 
you know, it feels fine, but it, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's strong. It doesn't mean that it's all bonded together or whatever. And I just remember them scaring the daylights out of me, but so glad that you had a great experience. Obviously you're a, you're, you're a gnarly athlete. So that's why you're able to bounce back quick. I knew that the start of the season there was like pretty close. Like you obviously didn't have tons of laps under your belt at that point. Um, yeah for you to come out and, and do what you did at the beginning of the year and then go figure that's when you got your, your best, uh, best finishes in the B classes there so far this year was basically off the yeah. couch and, and coming from Ohio where it was probably still not super nice yet and all these things. No. So, uh, so, um, so yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to explain that part of it, but glad to know that your, your knee is back healthy and I got to believe that you're going to be stoked to, uh, to, to play some, some ball this fall and stuff after missing out on that last year. Yeah, I've actually, um, we've been having open gyms and we were supposed to go to a tournament this weekend actually, but it ended up getting canceled. So, but yeah, I've been doing basketball, volleyball, just all this, all the things I actually, I, I work now. I have a job, believe it or not. Okay. So that's what I said. I said, yeah. we're fitting what you, you, you yeah. making a little time for us was pretty special. Cause you're, uh, you're juggling a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but no, everything's been great. Money's been great. I mean, I wear a knee brace when I when I race. It's one of the big bulky ones they gave me. But yeah, so do I. Is it a Donjoy? Uh, I'm not sure. It's like okay. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. Okay. I can't even tell you. I wear them. I wear them on both knees. Uh, always. I have really? since 2007. Since I tore my ACL. Uh, they said, man, you should really wear these. And ever since then I've been wearing them. I've gone through a number of pairs since then they get all blown out. They replace them. The same dude that does the green Bay Packers and the, in the Wisconsin Badgers literally comes to the house and services my knee braces. And, um, yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a good deal, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm with you. I'm the 1% that wears knee braces. Uh, I just feel like at this point I couldn't wear, I couldn't ride without them. Yeah. It's almost, it's a mindset. It is. It is. Uh, at this point I've done so many laps and rode so many thousands of hours with them that I'd be lost without them. So, uh, so, yeah. so yeah, it, it's uh, it's a, it's a safety blanket at this point, but, uh, Kinsey, that's, that's awesome news. I'm, uh, I'm stoked to hear that everything has gone so well with, with obviously your recovery, uh, your season, the, this, this award this past weekend, queen of the Creek, which is awesome. Going to do some TT races, hopefully in the future. And, uh, and all the stuff. I, I love to hear it. And uh, like I told you before, I love having you on the show. It's always so much fun. I can't thank you enough for making a little time for us. As always, uh, you're just, you're always awesome on the show. You've been killing it. And like I told you before we hit record on this thing with this past weekend and this award and everything, wanted to get your uh, your insight, talk about your weekend a little bit, talk about the TT experience and all those things. So congrats on everything. Awesome to uh, to have you on here with us and look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah. Thanks again, Cody, for having me on. Um, I love, I love coming on here to talk to you guys about, well, not you guys, you, I guess, (laughs) but (laughs) talk to you about the races, weekend stuff, all that. It's fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Looking forward to coming to Briarcliff here in, uh, I don't know, about a month, right? About a month is Briarcliff. Yeah, Uh, yeah, actually. I think around this, this weekend, it'll be a month. Yeah. 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 So looking forward to that, uh, coming up next month, but Oh, in the, and, and the other thing we have going on and I'll have to, I'll have to add the date 
later because I don't know exactly okay. the date, but we have the Digging Deep ATV open ride this coming fall at Briarcliff. So we're super stoked about that. Uh, awesome opportunity that your dad is giving us there uh, to have uh, an ATV ride day, digging deep ride day at a track like Briarcliff is going to be super cool. So really looking forward to that this fall. And, uh, and yeah, maybe we'll have to try to uh, chase you around and try to keep up with you a little bit this fall. But uh, Kinsey, again, thanks so much for doing this. Awesome job. Congrats on everything. And uh, we'll see you. Thank we'll talk you. to you soon. Yeah. Thank you again. Thanks, Kinsey. You're the best. That's WMX champ Kinsey Osborne signing off on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast brought to you by Valvoline and their all new Ultimate Power Sports line. Kinsey, one last thing I need to talk to you about. One last thing I needed to, to ask okay. you before we go here is how close are we to clinching this championship? We got to be close, right? Uh, yeah, I think PVR. If I if I win PVR, I think that's got it wrapped. Um, that would be it. Okay. I think that was the same deal last year. I'm not entirely sure but... i think so too i remember almost this exact same conversation last year <laughs> yeah that's crazy but yeah awesome. i think it's pbr so i'm excited for that awesome well we will uh we'll stay tuned on that but wishing you the best of luck thanks so much kinsey we'll talk soon thank you man what an event the buds creek pro quad showdown will go down in history as one of the coolest events that we have had in recent memory in atv racing what a show tonight bunch of awesome guests and will you be there at Briarcliff for the Digging Deep ATV Ride Day on Saturday, October 7th? Be there. But as for tonight's show, major thanks to tonight's guests, Brandon Hogue, Michael Allred, and Kinsey Osborne. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to all of our donors. You know who you are. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to all of our partners. CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Thanks to SSI decals. Major thanks and welcome back to Valvoline, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymauer Financial Group, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Binky's Forever ATC Museum, Impact Solutions, and Manscaped to get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website, and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. All your ATV fantasy info from event results to season standings and more can all be found at atvfantasy.com and shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com is your go-to for all our official Digging Deep merch. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee buttons. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show, 920-569-3519. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, coverage, and more fun stuff as we are in the dog days of this 2023 ATV motocross season. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links, and discount codes, show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, Digging Deep atvmx.com so check that out today be a friend tell a friend please download subscribe rate review and share and with that for brandon hogue michael allred 
Kinsey Osborne, Brooke Jansen, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to and making us the most listened to podcast in ATV racing. With nearly 221,000 downloads last month in 103 total countries. Until next time, thanks for joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. This one's for our buddy J.L. Opperman. Thinking about you, pal. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad leaders are freaking 